0: Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight we are recording on October 29th, 2017. My name is Corey Motley, I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this show, not... 33.3 repeating like on our last show in which we had a special guest and the other 50% of the show this week is Brad Galloway who is the editor of Game Critics. How are things Brad?
1: Hey it's good Corey. I am excited to uh, talk about games. We've been talking for a while. Uh, uh, Very 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 talkative tonight. Uh, That may sound weird to people tuning in now but all will become clear.
0: <laughs> Indeed, uh, and just to clarify, um heads up, we are still rolling with our new format uh, for our show, which we 've been on for about three or four episodes so far. Um, basically, when Brad and I start recording, we do our banter like normal, but now we are putting the banter at the very end of the show and let me tell you tonight we just had like almost an hour of banter, so if you want to hear the stuff that we were up to. Um, You can listen after the games talk, the outro music will come up, it'll fade back out, and then boom, you can listen to us talk about stuff for an hour. And might I say that maybe, just maybe, you want to stick around for the banter this week because you'll get to hear the details of my pre-Halloween weekend where I saw a Stephen King-based burlesque show called Tit instead of It, ha ha ha. So that will be after the show if you want to listen to that, as well as Brad talking about building a Halloween costume for his son and some other stuff, some mild disagreements on Twitter and about Star Trek and about Miss Fisher and Veronica Mars. We just talked about a ton of shit. So that's all at the end. But for now, we're going to talk about some games. Do you want to talk about some games, Brad? I'm ready to talk about some games, Corey. All right, I reckon you have a brief check-in for us uh, to start with. What do you want to talk about?
1: Oh, you know, actually, um, before we get rolling on the game that I was going to talk about, I want to do one quick housekeeping note of clarification. Um, I think it was last episode that I talked about Shovel Knight. Does that sound correct to you?
0: Uh, Yeah, because Dan was on last week and you guys talked about it.
1: Right, okay, so after that show um, aired, uh, the developers of Shovel Knight actually listened to that episode. And, uh, they that got, was, and
0: that blew my mind a little bit. They, and yeah, the got, developers, the EuroJank developers listened to it
1: too, right? They did. Yes, we had a number of developers listen to the last episode, which was really great. Oh, and boy. hello to all the developers listening. <laughs> uh, we love you all very, very much. So much. So very, very much. Uh, but yeah, one thing that I, uh, we were corrected on was that I was under the impression that uh, the Shovel Knight DLC, the upcoming DLC uh, starring King Knight, um, I was mistakenly thinking that was going to be the first piece of DLC that they were going to charge for. Not true. So I want to take that back. I want to issue an apology for the misunderstanding on my part. And I want to correct the the, the story, get the right information out there. Um, so Shovel Knight, the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove is still being sold as the base game that you buy, which is actually on sale on the Switch this week for 20 bucks. Hell of a deal. I definitely recommend that to anybody. Uh, but all of the DLC is free. So I thought that the first two were free. They were going to charge for the third. Not correct. My mistake. Uh, It's all free. So if you buy the Shovel Knight Treasure Trove, you get uh, Plague Knight, Specter Knight, and the upcoming King Knight. All that stuff is free. And those are awesome. All three of those. I mean, I can't speak for King Knight. Sorry, I haven't played it yet. But uh, Plague Knight and uh, Specter Knight are great. They're both fantastic. So uh, just want to clarify that though that is a free dlc and i'm sorry for the misunderstanding so hopefully people will uh pick that up on the switch for 20 bucks on sale or pick it up elsewhere wherever it is it is a great game so there we go correction issued and my apologies now, how dare you um, brad Come on show right? and
0: issuing fake news to our listeners
1: oh god journalism <laughs> games journalism what do we do it's um, about ethics and games journalism oh, brad fuck fuck <laughs> <laughs> no ethics and games journalism I gotta be honest with you, dude. This is a bit of a weird week for me because um, all of this games I'm gonna check, I'm gonna talk about tonight. I've not played very much because I've been playing like a lot of Warframe, and so we we talked about that in the the banter a little bit. I don't want to talk about it here, but everything I'm gonna talk about tonight is pretty easy breezy, so we're not gonna do any deep dives on my stuff. Um, The first one I want to talk about is Morphite. M O R P H I T E. This game came out, I want to say, about a month ago. Uh, And I knew about it for a while. It caught my interest, but I just didn't have time to get into it. So I started up for the first time, maybe yesterday or the day before. Uh, The best way that I can describe this is it is this game is exactly what I wanted No Man's Sky to be, except that No Man's Sky wasn't. So everything that I thought I was going to get from No Man's Sky, like Morphite is that thing that, that I actually wanted. So maybe these guys heard my my thoughts and hopes and dreams somehow, or maybe they played No Man's Sky and didn't like it, or I don't know what happened. Very similar to No Man's Sky, but they cut out 90% of the bullshit, and it's a much better experience for it. So you begin the game as a uh, girl on a space station. She has to uh, earn some money, and she does this by going to nearby planets and scanning flora and fauna that are there on the surface. Uh, She's also got like a gun so she can shoot stuff uh, if she wants to. Uh, walks around, scans some stuff, come back to the ship, uh, turn that in for cash, get some upgrades, fly around to another planet, drop back down, scan some more stuff. There's also um, stuff to discover. There's like ancient technology you can discover. I think the planets are randomly generated. It's pretty chill and laid back though. Like a lot of the game is just like walking around, taking in the scenery, trying to uh, scan bugs and crabs and weird animals that are kind of like all all around the different planets. And there's no real pressure. I mean, there is a there is an ending. There is a storyline. There is dialogue that happens, so it's more structured than No Man's Sky. Uh, and it's very, it's actually very beautiful. The graphics are super simple. Like I think the main character is made up of like 14 polygons or something, but it looks good. Like it looks really like artistic and tasteful. So I really like the look of the game. Very um, pastel colors and appealing shapes, and it just it just looks very nice. So. I mean, the loop is beam down to a planet, walk around, uh, scan some stuff, come back, uh, get some money, buy some fuel, go a little further, and eventually you want to uncover some secret stuff. I haven't, you know, like I said, I just started yesterday. I'm not very far in the story, but there is story, is plot. And so far, I mean, I'm just really liking it a lot. Like, it sounds really weird to say this, but this this is pretty much exactly what I wanted from No Man's Sky. And I'm glad that somebody somewhere um, has finally given it to me because I didn't get it with No Man's Sky. I really liked, um, Astro Nier, which I don't know if we ever talked about Astro Nier on the show. Did we ever mention Astro Nier, Corey? Yeah, we did. Okay, cool. I like Astro Nier a lot, but it's still like an alpha and it's nowhere near being done. But that one looks like a really cool one too. But I just can't get into games that are not finished. Uh, but Morphite is finished. It is, um, small enough. I hear that you can finish it in like maybe 15, 20 hours, which is really reasonable for something like this. And it has that really chill laid back vibe and it just is kind of what I was looking for when I was looking for something like this, and I really dig it so far. Like, I'm not, I'm not deep. I can't give a deep dive on it. I don't know everything about it, but I, I like it a lot. So um, I think this game probably has a problem with visibility, though. Have you, have you even heard of this game, Corey? Uh,
0: not anything other than what you talked about.
1: Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, I don't think anybody on Earth knows about this game, so... Uh, I'm going to keep playing it. I will probably do one more check-in once I get further, Uh, but I do want to just say really quickly, if you are a person who likes the concept of No Man's Sky, but you did not like No Man's Sky, or I guess if you like No Man's Sky and you want more of that, but smaller, this game seems right on the money for that. So I'm really excited and I will be uh, checking back on it later on. All right. Well, I'm sorry
0: that I don't have anything exciting to say in response to Morphite, but um,
1: it sounds like a win for you so far so far it's a win um hopefully these guys will get some eyeballs it popped up at psn i don't think anybody knew what it was nobody paid any attention to it it kind of vanished and you know i'm guessing these guys probably sold like five copies which which would be a shame because it seems like a real, uh, real winner so far so uh we'll see we'll see if it holds up if it does hold up i'll certainly be singing its praises and uh, we'll get the word out on it so what do you what do you bring to the table today Corey? uh you got uh you got a couple things don't you
0: I do. I have been sort of accidentally playing scary games. Uh, I'm going to pretend like I'm doing that for Halloween, but it just turns out that as Halloween approaches, uh, scary games go on sale on the PSN. So it's uh, kind of a a win-win. I picked up a couple games on sale on uh, separate PSN sales recently for like spooky games. And the first game I want to talk about is a game called vaccine which i had not heard of prior to seeing it on the psn sale have you heard of this brad
1: uh is this the one where it's kind of like a randomly generated resident evil clone it is okay so that's that's all that i know about it but i didn't know that much
0: okay so i saw it on the psn sale and it was only like five dollars and some changes like 550 or something and i was like hey like five dollars is a you know a very very decent price like even if it's for like an indie game or something so I, I you know went into the window on the PSN and I watched the trailer that they had concocted for it and basically the game looked exactly like an old school Resident Evil clone like Resident Evil 1 through 3 kind of clone and I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before but I I absolutely adore old-school Resident Evil, and I have been wondering why for so long a developer has not done, uh, you know, a fixed-camera tank-control horror game in the vein of Resident Evil. Because, I mean, we have, you know, a dozen games that are like Metroidvania games that aren't Metroid or Castlevania. We have a lot of games that are like old-school Super Mario and stuff like that. But we, for some reason, at least not that I've seen, Developers have not really taken to the old-school fixed-camera uh, horror genre, which I, I there's like a a place in my like gaming heart where I'm like I need that to be filled. And a few years ago, a game called White Night came out, and I thought that was going to be it because that was like a black, mostly black and white, kind of noir feeling detective story where you explored a mansion as a detective. And it was like a ghost story and it was uh, mostly fixed cameras, but I ended up not liking White Knight at all. I thought it was too hard. I thought the story was dumb, but I, I'm not here to talk about White Knight. So I saw the Vaccine and the trailer basically looked just like, it looks like a blatant, like love letter ripoff to Resident Evil. Like I, I looked at it and I was like, wow, this looks so good. Like this, this could be the thing that I've been waiting for. Like a Resident Evil clone that is kind of hard to control, that is goofy, that's like a zombie story. And the point of Vaccine is there's two characters to choose from, much like Resident Evil 1 and 2, where you can choose from two different characters. And you uh, start in a bedroom, and the, there's a, a friend of yours has contracted some kind of virus, um, hence the name Vaccine and is like laying on the bed, kind of like having a seizure. And the game gives you a 30 minute time limit to explore the space in order to find the uh, the vaccine and I guess bring it back to the partner. And I guess if you do that, you win. Um, I haven't done that yet. I haven't beat uh, the game, so I'm not really sure. But something that I didn't realize going in was that this game is kind of like a procedurally generated roguelike um, and as we've discussed on the show, I don't really like roguelikes. Um, I, I've only played a few, but they're just not really my jam. And I thought that this game was going to be like like a full... I mean, I wasn't expecting it to be like, you know, the size and scope of like Resident Evil 1 or Resident Evil 2, but I thought it was going to be a similar thing, but just kind of like cut down. But it turns out that every time you start it, you start with a base character and you can gain experience by doing different things by like attacking enemies or like opening doors or like doing other kinds of things. But from what I can tell, the experience does not carry over if you die. I think you start fresh every time. And uh, the rooms are procedurally generated. So you always start in the same room with, you know, the person on the bed who's having a seizure. And then as soon as you open the door and exit that room, it can be any room. Like sometimes it's, a big like mansion entryway that has like four doors sometimes it opens to a small hallway i mean it's it's about as you know on the fly generated as you can expect and i mean honestly the game is just really hard and i don't i i don't like that i mean old school resident evils were never easy but they weren't, um, I mean, first of all, they weren't procedurally generated and they weren't roguelike. So you could, you know, have a safe state and you had a chest that you could put items in and you had herbs to heal yourself and all that stuff. But here, if you die, that's it. And you start completely over. And I, uh, I tried the to do the campaign about four or five times. And I think each time I only lasted about maybe... 10 minutes max or so before dying and like there are zombies that are in the hallways and the kind of scary thing about the zombies in this game is that they shamble along like slow zombies like old school resident evil zombies but because um if you'll remember from old school resident evils every time you open a door it cut to like the first person scene where you open the door and then you go to the next room and for about 99 percent of environments in old resident evils once you got into the next room, anything that was on the other side of the door was sealed. And like zombies couldn't open doors. Uh, you know, uh, there was only a very, very few occasions where like an animal or a monster would open a door and come after you. But in this game, they come after you room for room. So it gives it kind of like a really, um, a, a, like kind of an intensity that I didn't expect going in because I'm used to being safe once I get past a door, but they will just keep coming after you. I mean, slowly, but coming after you nonetheless. And... So is, this, is like, this like
1: you have to you kill them or do you just have to get away from them? Like, what's the best move here?
0: Um, you can do either. The room that you start in always has a knife on the ground. So you start with a knife and then it only takes about maybe two or three room explorations to find like a gun and some ammo, like a pistol and some ammo. And I've found like shotgun ammo, but I have yet to find the shotgun, but it's all procedurally generated. So like sometimes when I start the game, you know, the first room outside of the bedroom has a gun in it. And sometimes like the third or fourth room has a gun in it. So it just kind of, you just kind of have to go and, you know, wait until you see it and you can kill everything or you cannot kill. You can just kill, run away from everything, but it's, it's really hard either way because a lot of the zombies take several shots to kill. And there is a ripoff of the liquor enemies in the game, which are like, uh, you know, qu- a quadrupedal, um, like animals that kind of move on all fours and, Uh, you know they're pretty quick and they're pretty lethal and those guys are really hard to kill because they're fast and they attack you really quickly and it's kind of one of those games where like if you get caught in an attack loop it's kind of hard to get out of it and basically anytime I found a liquor, I would like die or like the you know uh off-brand liquor, I would I'd pretty much die at the hands of it because they're so quick and it's hard to get away from them And like the zombies, I mean, using the knife is an extremely difficult thing to do because it's one of those things where like you get two stabs in and then the zombie starts biting you and then you get one swipe in and then the zombie starts biting you. So it's really difficult to use. And after about four or so plays, and I tried both characters, I tried the guy character and the girl character, and they both have, you know, some unique stats, like the guy can take more damage and she has more like conviction or something. And I don't even know what that means, um,
1: but uh, she's just it's like not way conviction. more serious. Right. She's like not I, fucking I around. Guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no I mean, they control the same
0: and they, they don't like feel that different, but uh, I, I mean, I just couldn't get into it. Like I wanted to like this game and I wanted it to be like the thing that would replace, I mean, not replace resident evil, but be like, you know, kind of like the off brand resident evil that, you know, that, that hole in my gaming life has been wanting, but it's just a difficult procedurally generated roguelike that is uh, blatantly ripping off Resident Evil, but not really, I mean, it's in a charming way. Like, I'm not saying that they're like a bunch of losers who just ripped off another game because I think it's like a charming, you know, piece of software, but it's just not what I wanted it to be. And it's too hard. And it's like, I'm just not here for this kind of like, I don't like roguelikes to begin with and I don't like procedurally generated stuff unless it's done like, and like kind of an enticing way. And I mean, there's no save state. So it's just like not my kind of game and I'm glad I only spent $5 on it and I would not recommend this to anybody unless you like the kind of game that I'm describing and I don't.
1: This is really funny. This is really funny. And this is a good example of why we make a good team on the show because I looked at this game um, a couple of times and I, you know, I saw it on sale like you did. And I was like, mm, I don't know, because I'm, I'm not really that big of a Resident Evil fan. I mean, I mean, I'm a, I guess I'm a fan, but like not as much as you're a fan. Like you're way more of a fan than I am. Um, but, I, you know, I, I am a fan, but I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm up for like a, a B rank Resident Evil or C rank or whatever you would call it. I was like, yeah, pass. But, like, now that you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, this kind of sounds interesting. Like, I kind of want to check it out now. Uh, but I guess I guess my question, and I'm not sure that you can even answer this, but, like, I like roguelikes when they're done well. Like, I think when they're done well, they are great, and I enjoy them very much, and I like the challenge. But when they are done poorly, I fucking hate them so bad, and I want them to all to <laughs> die like in a fire. So I got to know, like, is this a well-made roguelike that you just don't like because it was too hard or you don't like roguelikes in general, or was it like poorly made? And by that, do I, by that, I mean, did you feel like, well, it might be hard to answer and of course randomly generated, but like, did you feel like the balance was off or did you feel like the game uh, didn't follow its own rules or was there something that seemed really like excessively cheap about it or was it just not your jam?
0: Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really, I mean, I don't think the game feels like cheap, but I do think it's hard. I mean, I guess it might be cheap in the sense of like, you never know like when you're going to get what weapons and like weapons are definitely something that are, you know, that are, that make the game a little bit easier. So like if you start a new game and you don't find the pistol until like the fourth room you explore, like good luck to even making it to that fourth room. You know, it's a lot easier if you find the pistol in, like, the first or second room or, like, shotgun or whatever other, um, you know, uh, things are in the game. But, um, I mean, it doesn't, like, it doesn't seem super well designed, but I also am not, you know, the the final say on, like, roguelike development construction, so I wouldn't really know. But, I mean, like, a game, for example, like, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer is, like, a kind of like a rogue like that... I enjoyed that I think was designed in a fair way that I thought was playable and fun and interesting and I don't think any of those qualities apply to vaccine.
1: <laughs> I'm checking it out on Metacritic and it it's got pretty rotten reviews. I mean, there's a couple of people at the top who love it, but then again, I mean, there's any game out there, you know, you can pick any game under the sun and there's at least a couple of people who like love it. So that's not really a good indicator. And in general, it's got pretty bad numbers. I don't know, man. I kind of wish that I'd, I, I kind of wish that we had talked about this earlier. I don't know if it's still on sale. I'm really tempted to give it a try now because I do like roguelikes <laughs> when they when they're on point. I do like a good roguelike and I kind of like this. I like what you're saying about this. But man, that that edge that you must walk in order to create a good roguelike is so fine. That point is so fine. It's such a narrow little band that you've got to hit. It's so hard. And so few roguelikes ever hit it. Like, I, I, I hate most of them. But when I get a good one, I love it forever. And it's just, it, they, they come along so infrequently, the good ones do. Uh, I'm probably going to be throwing my five bucks away, probably. I feel like I'm going to be wasting my five <laughs> bucks, but I'm kind of tempted. I'll take another look at it. I'll watch a couple more videos. We'll see. Um, but you've got my curiosity up, even though I, I feel like maybe that was not your intention. Any, uh, Any other last words on vaccine to sway me either way? Uh,
0: I mean, I don't think so. If you end up buying it, if you like it, I certainly will not begrudge you for enjoying, you know, a game that I don't like, but I, I just can't, I can't get behind this. I know my, my notions about it were slightly preconceived because I didn't realize it was like, you know, a randomly generated roguelike. I thought it was going to be like more of a campaign that I was going into like old school Resident Evil. So at least you, if you decide to buy it, you'll know that going in that it's kind of like slightly more your jam than mine, but... I personally cannot get behind this game.
1: All right, fair enough, fair enough. I don't know that I'm going to pop for it because I'm up to my eyeballs in games right now, but I, I'm, I'm actually way more curious about it now, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> speaking, of, uh, speaking of horror games, uh, I am actually going to be talking about, well, not really sort of a horror game. Not really. It's called Slay Camp Butcher's Cut. This is a new version of a game that's been out on PC and iOS for a while. Have you heard of Slay Camp, Corey? Uh, I haven't until I researched it for the show tonight. So we covered this at Game Critics a while ago. Dan Weisenberger covered it for us, and he loved it. He really went head over heels for this one. So I was very curious. Uh, My tastes do not always line up with Dan's, but if he likes something, he can make a pretty good case for it. And so it, it definitely got my attention. Basically, this is, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a puzzle game that is couched in the conceit of being a series of horror films. It's kind of a high concept thing. So, like, imagine that you're playing. Um, okay, so let me describe the puzzle first. I'm sorry, people. I'm fucking <laughs> this all. I'm fucking this all up. I'm sorry. Bad, bad reviewer. Bad critic. Bad podcaster. Okay, so like the puzzle part. Every every board is has you, your character, and then a couple of uh, other characters that you have to kill. And but the thing about this puzzle is when you pick a direction, you slide all the way in that direction. Like you don't just take a step. It's like, I imagine the whole thing's made of ice, right? So like you play a little killer guy, kind of looks like Jason from Friday the 13th or something like that. And you got to kill, I don't know, the campers on the board. And it's very like, very blocky. They look like Duplo people or Lego people. Um, This is not realistic in any way. Like it's super, super simple. Everybody's made of like four polygons. It's real, you know, real abstract. So you, you see where you are on the board and then you can see where these people you have to kill are on the board. And then you have to maneuver yourself in such a way that you can, you know, make your way over to them. And it's a lot harder than it sounds because like, you know, let's say you're on the right side of the board and then you push left, you rocket all the way to the left side of the board. Like you cannot stop, you can't turn or anything. So like you have to maneuver yourself so that when you move, you're hitting the far side of the board. If there's an obstacle, you'll hit the obstacle. And then kind of like plot your course around the board so that you can always get to where you need to go, even though you're not able to turn or stop at will. Is that, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Are you lying? No, I'm Okay. Not. All right. Check. I know if you're humoring me or if I was really fucking this up or what. <laughs> okay. So like, just pretend like the whole, the whole board is like, you're playing a killer who's like on a sheet of ice and you have to like very carefully pick your directions because you cannot stop. That's how the puzzle works. Um, The other part of the game is that each quote unquote like world is set up to be like a movie. And so when you finish the first like 10 levels, you've finished like that quote movie. And then it's put on a shelf, which looks like a VHS shelf in like an old blockbuster or something. So like when you go to the main screen, you'll see like, oh, Slayaway Camp part one. And that's like the part that you just finished. And then like on the shelf next to it is like Slay Camp part two. And so it'll have like a different main character, different people to kill. And so, you know, do you, you want to watch this movie? Yes or no? And then you, if you say yes, then you pick like the next like set of 10 or 15 puzzles. If you do well on that one, like the next one gets unlocked. I think I made it up to like Slay Camp, like part three or four. But there's other ones. There's like, you know, Worst Santa Ever. And there's also like, uh, I don't know, like Maniac Cop or something, I mean, whatever. There's a whole bunch of different films. And they're all set up like on this shelf. So it's a pretty cool conceit. Like it really reminds me of like back in the day when video stores were a thing. You could go in and just kind of browse the shelves. And I, you know, I spent many hours inside a blockbuster or Hollywood video or something like that looking at uh, horror films, me and my brother back in the day. So I like the way that it's set up. I like the conceit of the the video and the horror movies and all that stuff. It's a pretty fun little game. Um, I got to say, my brain is not really wired for this kind of a puzzle so I feel like if you are the kind of person that can solve these puzzles, like intuitively, you'll probably get through it in no problem and have a really good time and unlock a bunch of stuff, unlock a bunch of different killer skins and, you know, just have a really good time. I enjoyed it, but I got to be honest, I just, I was having a real difficult time with it because I don't know, I guess I just don't possess that kind of logic where I would like go in circles and go in circles and go in circles because I couldn't figure out like maybe I was doing things in the wrong order or maybe I was missing some detail in the environment. I mean, you know, and I would eventually get it. Also uh, worth noting that the developer has given a hint system. Uh, You earn coins in the game by doing certain things and you can spend those coins on unlocking hints if you want to. I mean, you can buy other stuff too. You can buy costumes or other other quote unquote movies to buy or, you know, random stuff like that, little trophies or whatever. Uh, But if you need those hints, you can unlock the hints and the game will, you know, if you They'll give you like one easy hint at first, like, you know, oh, uh, wrong order or something like that, like something real vague and simple to kind of nudge you in the right direction. And if that's not enough, eventually it'll just be like, it'll give you like a step-by-step of like, this is what you do to get past this puzzle, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, done. So I appreciate there's a hint system, which is really great because I definitely needed it a few times, Um, but I don't think these puzzles are... Like hard in an unfair way. I just think that my brain doesn't work like that. And so I struggle probably more than the average person does on them. Uh, but I think it's really cute. I think it's super cute. I think the the idea is clever. When you uh, kill some of the people, it goes to, like this really like over the top kind of like kill animation. And it's not even really gory even then because it's still like these Lego people. But like, you know, they'll one will get stabbed or one will get cut in half or one will drown or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So if you want something that's kind of like a you know like a slasher film, but you also want something to challenge your brain a little bit, I think this is a pretty good film. I think it's a very cute game. I I did like it. I'm I suck at it, but I think it's good, and I would definitely recommend <laughs> it to people who are better at puzzles than I do. So I I think it's good stuff.
0: Does it have the way you're describing this? It makes me think of um, like the um, like Square Enix Montreal, like the Hitman Go or Deus Ex Go, yes, where it's kind of like yes, a board yes. game. Do, yeah, Does it very... have the same thing that those games do where you like make a move and like you know you fucked up and there's no way you can solve it and you just like
1: have to let yourself like lose in order to restart? So that's a really good comparison. I'm I'm grateful you brought that up because that is very much in the same line of like, you know, like you said, hit what was it called? Hitman uh what was it? Hitman go and Hitman Go, yes, go. yes, yes, yes yeah. all those. It's it's not quite as complicated as those. It's a little simpler than those, but in a good way. Um, and if you know that you fucked something up, they, they give you either reverse the last move and you can do that as many times as you want. Oh,
0: that's nice.
1: Or just restart the level. So yeah, you can, if you feel like you fucked one thing up, you wanted to go left instead of right, or you should have killed person A instead of person B, just hit the button. You just undo the last move. Don't have to do the whole level over. It's really player friendly, very smart. You can tell that they put those features in to make it more, you know, definitely more playable for people and not have to like make them do the whole thing. So yeah, yeah. You can totally just unwind or rewind or you can unwind i guess kills people unwind but (laughs) rewind your last move and uh try again so it's very very playable
0: and one last question um because this game was originally like a mobile phone game which it sounds very mobile phone friendly as you're playing it on a console does it super duper feel like you're playing a mobile phone experience on your television
1: Um, I guess, I guess it depends on what you mean by that.
0: I don't, I guess maybe like, like, does it feel like cheap or something like, oh, this should be like, oh, this obviously was ported from a phone to my TV.
1: No, I don't think it feels cheap at all. I mean, I think it makes sense in the context of, oh yeah, like I could totally see this working on my phone because if I was swiping with my thumb, that would totally correlate to the person shooting across the screen the way that they do. So like, I, and the coins, I mean, coins are a mobile phone thing. Like the way that it works feels very much like um, a mobile system where you get three, you know, three, I mean, there's no stars in this, but if you get three stars and you get some coins and buy the, you know, you, you see where the, the bones or the structure for mobile are there, but it doesn't feel like cheap. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is totally a mobile phone game. Like it just seems like a very stylized puzzle game and it works well with controller and it looks cute and it just, uh, it seems just like a, a small indie game. It doesn't seem like a, like, you know, like a mobile game, like in a bad way, you know? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's very cute, very colorful, uh, pretty funny. If you like horror movies, you'll definitely get a lot of the references that this movie is leaning on. And I think that it's uh, a pretty neat little package. Um, I wish my brain clicked with these puzzles a little better than it does. Uh, but I think that a lot of people will find that it's not as hard as I think it is. Because I don't really think it's that hard. I just, uh, I struggle. But it's good. I would I would recommend it.
0: All right. Good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, now, Corey. Corey, Corey, we... Corey, Corey. Yes.
1: I, I yeah. desperately, you know what I'm going to say. I want you to talk about this next <laughs> game because I talked about this game earlier, and I wish that we had played it closer together because that would have been a really great discussion. I'm trying to remember my mental notes about this but i am very very curious to hear your take on observer sir all
0: right well i i've talked about observer a lot and whenever we whenever you played it and we talked about it like a few months ago because you played it pretty close to launch it came out in august and um i remember like being like mad because you played it and i didn't get to play it first because i feel like for the longest time I was like the only person that even knew this game was in development because uh, the development team, Bloober Team, which is the dumbest development team name on the planet, um, they developed Layers of Fear, which was, um, it, it, I loved Layers of Fear. It's like a first-person horror game. It was kind of like after PT came out and everybody suddenly decided like, oh, we need to make these small like first-person horror indie games. Like Layers of Fear was probably the most successful one up until like Resident Evil 7 came out. And uh and I, I played Layers of Fear. I played the DLC for it. I enjoyed the base game more than the DLC, but that's beside the point. And they, Blue team, I think it was like two E3s ago, or maybe it was this E3, I can't remember. But um, they sort of like confirmed that they were working on uh, a science fiction game that's very much in the same vein of like first-person horror, but instead of it being, because um, Layers of Fear was in like an old-timey mansion and it was very... um. Sort of like old, everything was kind of old and like romantic about the mansion. But uh, Observer is science fiction; it's futuristic. Um, It's definitely got shades of like Blade Runner and Ghost in the Shell, uh, among other things in it. And uh, just to give a little background on it, um, for anybody who didn't hear our show, we discussed it before, or uh, anybody who doesn't know, um, Observer is about you play as a um, a futuristic uh, private detective named or I guess he's like a police officer, he's not a private detective, Um, named uh, Daniel Lazarski, and he is uh, what they call an observer, and that means that he has, like a lot of uh, augmented humans are on sort of like a central grid, and he exists outside of the grid, and part of his detective work, or his observing, if you will, is he's got this like wrist mechanic, this like wrist um, contraption, where he pulls a wire out. And it reminds me a lot of Ghost in the Shell. And it, because if somebody has a neural chip inside their head and they've been augmented, he can like plug the wire into them and basically like deep dive in their head and sort of like explore their psyche and their mind. And that's how he, you know, gets clues on his cases and how he like solves mysteries and stuff like that. But the point of Observer is at the beginning of the game, um, his son, who he hasn't heard from in several years... Um, calls him like does like an encrypted call through his uh, police car like video uh, call feed and says something about you know like that he needs to be saved or that he needs his help or something like that and Daniel is shocked because he hasn't heard from his son in a long time so he goes to where um, the son's communication came from which is this really gross um, like back alley apartment in the city where all of these like kind of gross people live and it's just it's like half science fiction and half like just like kind of run down like um like tenants in this this city block um and so the game the point of the game is exploring the building trying to figure out where the sun's transmission came from trying to uh, jack into people's minds that knew his son to figure out where he is and what's going on And, uh, the, uh, I mean, the thing that I didn't realize going in was that, I mean, Layers of Fear was pretty, um, was pretty, it was pretty evident at the beginning of the game that like you get to this mansion that was, it was like your dad's mansion or something in that game. And pretty much the whole game takes place like in the mansion, like the upstairs, the downstairs, kind of like the bowels of it. And I mean, certain things happen, like a big thing that Bloober Team does is they do a lot of um, visual trickery where you will like, say you'll walk down a hallway, a door will be locked, and it's the only door at the end of the hallway. And then you turn around and suddenly the hallway you walk down is completely different. And it, it does a lot of that stuff where like you turn around and things are not what they were whenever you came down them. And something that I didn't realize about Observer is that almost the whole game takes place in the single apartment building. Like for some reason I had imagined, I mean, I didn't imagine it being like an open world game by any means, but I had thought that there would be like a little bit more scope to it. But almost the whole game is in the apartment building, um, which is it kind of disappointed me at first. But then like the longer I played it, the I guess like the less I kind of cared about that aspect. I... I just, it just kind of caught me off guard a little bit.
1: It Um, surprised me too. I was kind of expecting more of a go around the city to different locations kind of a thing. Uh, But yeah, you're basically, I mean, I didn't, I didn't finish the game, but the part that I saw, I was like, man, when am I going to fucking leave this? Oh, I guess I'm not going to leave this. Uh, Okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I mean, I guess maybe I shouldn't have expected something so big because I mean, I'm pretty sure Bloober Team is like a very small team and they're not really equipped to make like gigantic, you know, like citywide games maybe. Um, so they focus on like smaller environments and more about like what they can do technically within the environment. And but uh, I mean, I was really excited to go into this game and I played the whole thing in one sitting and it's like a Whoa. it's probably about a six hour game. Yeah, I know. That's I a played long it all in one sitting. That is a long sitting. I know. I've been on this trend lately. I mean, I did the same thing I talked about on the last show with um, with Uncharted The Lost Legacy. I mean, that was a six-hour game, and I played it all in one sitting. And I mean, I think I expected maybe... I, I don't know if I necessarily expected it to be shorter, but like Layers of Fear is a game you can beat in like two or three hours, I think. And I didn't expect... I guess I didn't expect Observer to be that short, but whenever I generally sit down to play like sort of like an indie game, I feel like most of the indie games I play tend to be shorter, like anywhere from one to like four hours. So I try to just do it all in one go. And I mean, I overshot this one a little bit and I feel like that kind of worked against the game for me because if I had played it maybe in two sittings, maybe it would have felt a little bit better paced because I kind of, it kind of wore out its welcome a little bit by the end. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I mean, but I, I guess I haven't really said like what I think about the game. Um, Uh, I mean, I, I didn't like this game as much as I wanted to, and it makes me sad. I still think it's a good game. It's still miraculously in my top 10 for the year because I think it's pretty good. But I guess it was just paced a little bit too slow for me, and the story didn't really pay off. I don't know. I just feel like the story in this game is not very good. Like, the whole Finding Your Son... There's like a villain in the game that kind of comes out of nowhere, and the last like hour of the game is really stupid. And it's, I don't know, it's just like a lot of stuff and it doesn't add up. And as a matter of fact, a lot of like the side stuff in the game is more interesting than the game's main campaign because something I didn't realize, another thing I didn't realize going in is that a big part of the game is like knocking on tenants' doors in the apartment building, and you can, you don't have to do this, but you can like talk to them they have a little like video feed on their front door and you can have like a little video chat with them and you have like dialogue options where you can ask some questions or you can say certain things and sometimes you can get like side missions and that kind of surprised me because I thought this game was going to be like super duper linear because layers of fear was very linear which that's not a that's not a bad thing Um, And there are actually some side missions in the game. Like if you go into the little, like he has like a little detective menu on his wrist thing and it like shows you the side missions and you can solve them. And some of the side missions are really interesting. Like there's one where like I walked into an apartment and it was like, it was like an organ farm and it was really fucked up. And there's like, You can find out where, like, the source of the organs come from later in the game, and it was really fucking wild, and it was, like, a lot different than, and, like, more interesting than anything the main campaign held. And there's, like, another side mission where there's a woman who's been jacked into this, like, VR thing, like, this VR chair, and she's, like, communicating with uh one of her neighbors who's like this mute um child who i think was like i can't remember i think she was like autistic or something and so she's like communicating with her and you like dive into the woman in the vr chair's mind while she's hooked up to the vr to communicate with the neighbor and it was really interesting um And the game also does a lot of things where, like, at the end of a quest, it'll kind of give you, like, an A or B decision to make. And, I mean, some people might see that as cheap, but I actually kind of like those in games because I actually, like, really put the controller down and sit and think about... I mean, I know ultimately it won't really add up to much, but, like, okay, do I want to do this thing or do I want to do this opposite thing? Like, I have to make a decision here. Like, let me really weigh, you know, the pros and cons about it. It kind of reminds me of, like, Mass Effect in a way where you have to make, like... You know the paragon or renegade decisions about things, um, but I I don't know what else to say. I mean, I liked it. I feel like it wore out its welcome. I feel like the story wasn't um, wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And one of the main things the game touts is that the main character is voiced by Redger Hauer, who potentially his most famous role is the final android in Blade Runner. Um, the one that holds like the white dove on the, on the rooftop. Um, and I have to say his voice performance in this game is awful. Like he is really bad. I don't understand why they like, or I mean, obviously he's like a really famous dude, but like they could have probably hired a voice actor, voice actor for like half as much and gotten a 10 times better performance. Um, I mean, maybe they wanted him because the game has like shades of Blade Runner in it and playing it. It came out before Blade Runner 2049 hit theaters, but I played it after I saw Blade Runner 2049. And it's interesting because the beginning of the game is very similar to the beginning of Blade Runner 2049. So it's kind of weird to see that like mirrored. Um, but uh, I don't know. What What do you think, Brad? Do you have any questions or anything?
1: Um, I mean, this, there's a lot to kind of discuss and unpack. And I mean, I think a lot of this also is interesting because I think that you are more inclined to like games of this sort than I am. Um, when I played this, I didn't like it very much. I did not finish it. I bailed out because I just got really bored and I did not want to play it anymore. Um, I do agree with you on Rutger Hauer's performance. I mean, clearly they wanted to cash in on the Blade Runner vibe. I think that's very evident in this game, both in terms of art design and in terms of theme. So I think they were trying to get that, you know, like, you know, oh, hey, Rucker Howard, he's got some cred in this genre. Let's get him. That'll be a win. But yeah, I don't think his performance was very good. I wish they had gotten someone more interesting. Um, I mean, my big problem with the game, and I don't know, you can tell me how you, th- you feel about this, was like, um, I wanted, I guess I didn't want to be in like the dreamscapes as much as it was. Like, I just wanted to kind of have more of a detective in this weird dystopia you know i i i definitely wanted more locations um it just it just wasn't at all what i thought it was going to be and like on the very first dream sequence uh like like when you jack into somebody's mind um it really turned me off like really really in a big way uh, i don't know if you remember this one or not but it's the first one where it just it felt like it went on forever like you were seeing this guy's life he was like in a prison or something and then he was talking to his girlfriend and then there's this other stuff that didn't seem to have anything to do with anything. And then the Bloober team pulled their trademark move of going down the hallway, but then you turn around and it's a different hallway. And then you got to figure out how to get through. And I was like, am I, I just didn't understand like what was going on. Like I was like, is this a puzzle that I'm supposed to figure out? Is this just, just something I'm supposed to learn about? Is there some important message that I'm supposed to remember for later? Like I didn't I didn't just click with it. Like, I didn't quite get what they wanted me to do. And I I wasn't really in enough by that point to be ready to have them, you know, send me on a ride for a while. And I just really didn't like doing that thing. Like, and that is a problem because that's really what the game's all about. is like jacking into people's brains and doing that thing. Um, I'm not opposed to that concept in general, but I just don't like the way that it happened here. I mean, what, what did you think about that aspect?
0: Oh, I didn't mind the... Mind the mind jacking um, I didn't mind that uh, I, I do think that I mean because over the course of the whole game, I think you only do it like four or five times so it's not like you're doing it like every thirty minutes but um i uh I mean I like the I like the idea of it I like jacking into people's minds I like being able to see like because I, I mean in in this consta- in this context it makes perfect sense for what Bloober team is trying to do because like their thing is you know spatial awareness and things being different and, like, things being really complex and, like, uh, you know, creatively done and, like, maybe, like, even, like, an avant-garde way. Um, And that makes perfect sense here because if you're jacking into somebody's mind, you're basically... you, You can basically see anything. Like, they could come up with anything they want to show you and you would believe it because, you know, there's no limits. You're not in reality at that point anymore. And I'm almost disappointed because I feel like So like, most of the mind-jacking sequences weren't, like, creative enough. Uh, Like, you know, I mean, if you're thinking about, you know, like, the dude that, like, let's go with the same example. Like, the first person you you mind-jack into is, like, a dude who was, like, a drug dealer, and he uh, was kind of, like, a junkie, and he had been in prison, and he was kind of, like, very slightly on the upswing of his life. And then you, like mind jack into him and you know there are some sequences where he's like in prison and he's having like memories about it and stuff like that but like it just didn't seem to like really push its creativity as much as I wanted it to I mean if you're thinking about you know jacking into someone's mind who's been taking like mind-altering substances at one point in their life and like there's one section in the game where you jack into somebody's mind who is dead and that was like like they really had the opportunity to take that anywhere they wanted because the game sort of like like your wrist thing says like, you can't do this, the person's dead, and he like verbally overrides, you know, the safety thing in his like in his like plug thing, so he can do it because, you know, it's about his son and it's important to him. Um, and like even that sequence wasn't like as imaginative as I wanted it to be. So I don't know, the game reminds me a lot of it's kinda like I had a lot of flashbacks to both Soma and um, Here They Lie, which was a PSVR game that they uh, released uh, with a non-PSVR patch that I reviewed a few months ago, because the game has a lot of similarities between both of those, Um, and Soma is by far exceptional. I love Soma. I think that's an absolutely amazing game. So this game is not nearly as good as Soma but i feel like it's kind of very similar to like some of the aesthetics and some of the th- stuff that it's going for to here they lie and i i just came off of here they lie thinking it was pretty like lukewarm and not really that special so i mean i don't know like i, I also expected this game to be scarier like i didn't need to be scared all the time and whenever you take away the linear focus i think you also take away the ability to be scared but th- it was pretty rare in this game that i was actually like scared to move forward or scared to see what was around the next corner or like I heard a door a noise from behind a door and I got scared like because with layers of fear there were moments where I did not want to move forward at all or I was too frightened to like see what was around that corner there was noise behind me and I did not want to turn around to see what that noise was making or what what was making that noise but uh, Observer is more like disturbing than it is scary and it's not even that disturbing. Like it's not as creatively done as I wish it would have been.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Um, for sure. For sure. Uh, the other thing that really got me that really, um, was a big drag I thought was, uh, I don't know if you mentioned this or not, but he, your main character has like, I think two or three different like filters that he can see the world through. He's got like a, like a bio filter, an electronics filter and I don't know if he's got one more. It seemed like there was like at least two or three different ways to view each area. And I felt like it was a real drag to kind of like go back and forth between those things and search because sometimes it would seem like I would see something that was a point of interest and it felt like I should be able to interact with it. Couldn't interact with it. And then I would like forget to like look through all of the filters to look at that thing. And then of course it would be something to interact with, but I was just looking through it at the wrong filter. So like it kind of had that like um, adventure game kind of obstruction to me where if you're not, you know, this thing is a thing, but you're not doing it in the right order. So therefore you can't interact with it. Therefore you're stuck until you figure out the step that goes before the step you need to do, which to me, like I just, it always really frustrated me and I don't like those games very much. And so that kind of reminded me of this a bit where I just want to look around and if I see something interesting, let me pick it up. And if I want to check it out, let me check it out. Don't make me... Keep toggling through these fucking filters, like it just mechanically became like a real drag. I mean, did that bother you at all?
0: Um, it didn't really bother me as much. I mean, I think the only thing that bothered me was if I saw something that that I thought, like kind of like what you said, like that I thought was going to be interesting and ended up not like really registering on either of the filters. Um, but I don't know. I guess it didn't really bother me that. Much. It kind of reminded me of like Batman um, like the detective vision and Batman, except for you have like two different detective visions. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it didn't really bother me, I guess. I thought that was fine.
1: I guess it's a fine point because I think, you know, playing the Batman games, having one filter was fine, but having multiple filters, like it doesn't, I mean, maybe it's just me, but it just seemed like that was something that could have really been cut away. Like that was a part where the game could have been streamlined. It would have been more playable less of a hassle, you know, less of a barrier to me. I mean, I mean, that, maybe that's really fine criticism because I felt like, you know, it's just like if I didn't have to flip through all those, I would have been more okay with like searching through things and it wouldn't have been such a... I don't know, maybe I'm being a little too picky about it. But that that to me really fucking bothered me a lot. So I didn't want to do it anymore. So anyway, I bailed on that game pretty easily, but you, you finished it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I finished it. Would you recommend it to people who like horror games or who liked uh layers of fear or i mean is it is it recommendable or would you say give it a pass i think
0: i would recommend this but there are better examples of this game elsewhere like i think maybe i would recommend like soma before this even though i mean they're not that similar of a game but they have similar vibes um, I don't know. I do recommend it. Like I said, it's still like, it's my number nine game of the year so far in my list of ranked games. So, you know, it's not like an awful experience. I just, I, even if I like things, I still prefer to be overly critical about them because I can still enjoy things and, you know, recognize and understand what it could do better and, you know, what, what it does well. So it's a game that I'm pretty critical of, even though I, um, even though I, I like it, but I just don't think it's like, super great, but I also don't think, I mean, although there are better examples of this game out there, maybe I also don't think there are a lot of games like this out there because it's easy to write it off as like, you know, cause you see layers of fear and you're like, oh, well, it's just a PT clone. But I mean, Observer isn't really that much of a clone of anything. Like, I don't know if I've played anything that's that similar to this. Um, as far as like, You know, futuristic Blade Runner first person thriller detective goes. Um, So I recommend it, but it's not, you know, a shining example of thriller gameplay.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Man, any final comments before we move on?
0: Uh, I don't think so. Let's jump off this horror band and talk about a fun, happy game, eh? Let's do that. Corey, ask me if I've played Super Mario
1: Odyssey. Have you played Super Mario Odyssey, Brad? No, I have not. Not at all. And I'm going to be talking oh. about it tonight. <laughs> that may sound weird, but let me tell you what's going on. So Super Mario Odyssey. That's really, I, yeah, I'm really, I'm really disappointed about this, Brad. No, no, don't be disappointed. I got stuff to say. You will, you will <laughs> strap in, my friend. I got I got a tale to tell here. Um. So everybody and their brother knows that Super Mario Odyssey is out. I mean, of course, it met with the usual rapturous, uh, dare I say, orgasmic reception that people thought it would. Um, I was very excited for it, not for the reasons that you may think or that people listening may think, Um, you know, I'm a Mario fan. I mean, who's not a Mario fan? I mean, I think everybody in general likes Mario to one degree or another. Uh, It may not be your favorite thing, but I think we can all recognize the place it holds in the industry and... And what it represents to video games in general. So I'm not, you know, I had no problem with that. But, uh, you know, we re- recently got a Switch in the house. And my wife is a big fan of platformers and action games. I mean, she's good at everything, but this is probably her favorite genre. So I picked up Mario Odyssey uh, the morning it came out. Uh, Nintendo doesn't send game critics jack shit. So I figured I would have to buy this one for full price. So that's <laughs> fine. Uh, went out, picked it up that morning, had no problem. The store had like a jillion copies. There was no line or anything. So came back home and I let my wife uh, have a first crack at it. So I sat down on the couch next to her. Um, Our son came over and we just all got on the couch and we had some good family time where my wife was playing and we were just sitting watching her and we were just talking about the game, enjoying, you know, the scenery, uh, everybody having a little bit of feedback here and there. Hey, jump over here. Hey, try this thing, you know, do this and that and just all just having a really, really good time um, playing it together. So from that aspect, I think it was great because um, it's been a while since we've had like a family game that we could all just sit down and like just all watch and be really interested in and just uh, spend that time together. We're either playing together on separate consoles or we're all just playing something different. Like everybody has something different that's going on, which is fine. I mean, we all play games in the same room. That's a real good quality time for us. We can talk to each other no one's isolated. It's very social uh, but it's pretty rare that we all gather around like one particular game. So from that aspect, I think it was really great. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of this segment, I actually have not played it myself. My wife has been playing the entire time and I've just been sitting uh, on the couch next to her watching, but I have watched a great deal of it. And I do have some thoughts if you'd be interested in those. Of course. All right. I was hoping you're going to say yes. Otherwise I had nothing left to go. Um, well, I mean, to be totally
0: honest with you, I I actually I kind of don't care because I'm never going to play this <laughs> game, and I don't I'm not really that interested in Mario at all. But because, like you said, I understand Nintendo and Mario's importance in the industry, and I'm sure anyone I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening to the show probably will play this or have played it or have already sent you know a hundred thousand screen captures from the game and posted them on Twitter, like every annoying person on the planet is doing um, I will not object to
1: you talking about this game any further. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you for your cooperation, sir. Um, so she hasn't finished it. I mean, we've only, uh, I don't know, she's on like the third or the fourth world. I, you know, and as I was, as I was watching her play it, I was like, man, I'm really glad that I'm not reviewing this because it would be a very (laughs) difficult review to write for me. Um, In fact, I don't even know who's covering it at Game Critics. I think everybody's kind of holding their breath a little bit to kind of see how it falls and shakes down. (laughs) Like nobody nobody has stepped up um, for various reasons. Uh, But as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, so it's really colorful. It's really Mario, just like you expect it to be. And, you know, we get to the hat gimmick. Of course, the gimmick of this game, I think everybody knows, but just in case you don't, uh, Mario meets a little, I, I guess he's a ghost and he lives inside of Mario's hat. And when Mario throws his hat, if that hat lands on uh, another character, it's not everything like you cannot do it to everything in the environment, but you can do it to a lot of things. You throw the hat, the hat lands on something, it lands on uh, one of the enemies, it lands on a Tyrannosaurus, it lands on a manhole cover, it lands on a zipper, it lands on a cactus, it lands on whatever. Like Mario's like spirit, I guess, goes inside of that thing and he possesses that object and he can control it. And each of these things has a different ability. So like when he takes over like a bullet bill, uh, so that's like the projectile that gets fired out of a cannon. He can all of a sudden like guide that bullet and fly across the level if he wants to. When he takes over the T-Rex, he can run around and chomp things or or, uh, smash into things. When he is the little mushroom guy, the Goomba, um, his feet do not slip on ice. So he can walk uh, very sturdy And he can also stack himself on top of other Goombas to make like a big pile, as we saw in Super Mario 3D World and in other various Mario games. So that's kind of the hook, which is fine. Um, You know, there's lots of little neat little things that happen here and there. But I got to be honest with you, man, as I'm sitting there watching it, like it's it's great family time. Like I recognize that and I'm grateful for that. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, man, it kind of seems boring. Like it seems like just exactly (laughs) what like what you would think it would be, you know, like not I mean. I guess I guess the hype before this game came out was pretty massive. Um, I you know heard a lot of, of talk about this game and a lot of people were really looking forward to it. And it doesn't look bad. Like I'm not saying it looks bad. I'm just saying it looks exactly like what you would expect. It's like the same sort of worlds. He's kind of doing the run around, find the instead of stars, he's finding moons. Um, you know, lots of different little small objectives in each level. Uh, little bite sized objectives, which is fine. I mean, it's it's fine. Like, it's, it's fine. It's totally fine. It just looks very, very um, predictable. And even though the hat was supposed to be this new huge twist, it ends up feeling, I mean, granted, I haven't played it, but I've been watching quite a bit. It just seems like um, instead of Mario having the power ups that he usually would get, like the Fire Flower or the uh, the various costumes, like the Tanooki suit or whatever he would get, like he's doing these instead. So it's, you know, it has the same kind of net effect of, oh, he gets a new power that he can do, or he gets a new movement that he can do, which is great. But at the same time, it's not really territory that Mario hasn't explored in the past. I mean, maybe not with a magical hat, but he's he's definitely changed into things and had different powers before. So um, I don't know. It just seems fine. Like, it just seems exactly like what you'd expect. And I know maybe people are, you know, maybe their blood is boiling right now as I'm saying this or... You know, I realize it's not the easiest thing in the world to produce a really polished platformer, um, but it just seems like I'm watching it and like I, I kind of feel like I've played it already, even though I haven't played it, you know, like just from previous games. It reminds me a lot of Super Mario Galaxy, which was great. Uh, but I mean, Galaxy was kind of a step forward at the time, and this doesn't feel very much like a step forward. It just feels like kind of more, I guess. Um, I don't know. Does that surprise you at all? Disappoint you? Uh, I mean, it
0: doesn't surprise me because Nintendo, that's like Nintendo's whole thing is like, let's make a game that's almost the exact same as the one that came before it and put that out. And because it doesn't matter because everybody's going to buy it and love it anyway. I mean, that's like their track record to a T pretty much. I mean, the most, um, I feel like the most adventurous thing Nintendo has done was probably doing metroid prime and taking it first person and i mean i guess a lot of people would argue that breath of the wild felt like a totally new take on zelda and i'm not you know a zelda master because i've never i mean i've only played like a couple of zelda games and i've never finished one so i can't act like i've sat here you know and played all of them but um i don't know that's just like nintendo's mo like they don't it doesn't really seem like they have to try that hard to innovate because a people don't want innovation they want to play the same shit over and over again as you know referenced by how many uh you know hd collections sell and how many of those get made and everything and i know they just they don't need to i guess so i'm not really surprised by anything you're saying
1: yeah yeah i mean that's very true and um I don't know. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of people saying, oh, best Mario ever, best game of the year by a mile, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, all expected stuff to hear people say after this game came out. Not a surprise at all. Um, But, you know, I'm just like, you know, it's fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I, you know, I'll probably play it at some point. I'm not really like on fire to play it. If I don't play it until next year, I think I probably would be okay with that. (laughs) Um, There's also some issues that I've seen that I don't think people have really talked about. Uh, And this is just for me observing next to my wife on the couch. But like the perspective, the 3D perspective of some of the levels is really problematic. Like my wife is great at these games and she's great at games in general. She is not a noob by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And she's like falling like a lot, like missing a jump or um, misjudging where something is in 3D space. And I thought the same thing too. Like when she would miss a jump, I'd be like, oh, I totally thought you were going to make that. And she'd be like, yeah, I thought I was going to make that too. Um, So I think that some of the, camera work or some of the way that the levels are laid out is a little bit challenging. um, Just because it's tough to really get a sense of where those things are. Um, The other thing that I've noticed, which to me is a really fucking big turnoff, it's also a turnoff to my wife as well, is that there are certain functions which are mapped to the motion controls. The game really wants you to play with a, uh, I forget those little fucking Wiimote things are called, um, the Joy-Cons. The the Joy-Cons. They really want you to play with one Joy-Con in each hand. And that's how they suggest you play. They give you tutorials that show you to hold the controls like that. I don't want to control it like that. My wife doesn't want to control it like that. <laughs> we have got we bought the motherfucking controller ad- adapter thing that was not cheap. And we want to play that with, with that thing, you know? So some of the motion controls that Mario does uh, are not mapped to to regular controls. So, for example, if you don't have the two Joy-Cons out, it's really hard for him to do the... Uh, he's got this move where he like, throws his hat in a circle around him and it like kind of clears the space around him. You cannot do that with... a. I mean, you can try to do it with a controller, but you got to jerk your whole controller in a certain way. And it's really iffy if it works. So with... I mean, not every button on... Uh, when you have it in controller configuration is, is used, it seems like there's a lot of buttons going um, just waste because they're not really taking contr- advantage of these other functions And I just feel like they're forcing motion controls down our throats again, where there are certain things that you have to use motion controls for, and there's no other way to do it. And I don't know why that could very easily be assigned to a button, or maybe people could change that in the options. Or, hey, here's control A, control scheme A, where it's motion control. Here's control scheme B, where it's not motion control. These are all really simple things that people have done in the past. I don't know why Nintendo is, again, really taking this hard line on the motion controls, because I think it, it actually hurts the game. Because if you're playing in controller configuration or if you've got the Pro Controller or whatever, you're going to have a really difficult time doing some of those moves. Um, So I think that is really unfortunate and really hard-headed on their part. So um, that's basically all I have to say about it. It looks like another, you know, cool Mario game. If you like Mario, you're going to like this. If you don't like Mario, I don't think this is going to change your mind. It seems very (laughs) predictable. Uh, It's, you know, it's, it's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it seems very safe. Uh, But I am a little bit concerned about the 3D perspective and I'm very concerned about the motion control decision. So that was really, um, really disappointing to see. But uh, I probably will not talk about this again. I'm not like I said, I'm not planning to get to it anytime soon and I don't have anything else to say. I don't think I mean, unless something really surprising happens when I'm watching my wife play, maybe I'll bring that up. But otherwise, um, that's probably going to be our coverage for the show. I mean, you're probably not going to play this anytime (laughs) soon, are you? Uh, I mean, first of all, I don't even
0: have a Switch. So, I mean, I'd have to get that first before playing anything. And even if I did get a Switch, I mean, I have a strong feeling that at some point in the future, I'll have a Switch, even if, you know, it's like a year from now, um, you know, I'll probably get one eventually. But even if I get a Switch, I, pr- I mean, I probably won't even play this game. I have not played a Mario. The, the last Mario I finished was Super Mario 64. The last Mario I played was Super Mario Sunshine, and I stopped after about an hour. So that is how into Super Mario I am.
1: Well, I don't blame you. Sunshine was a piece of shit. I fucking hated <laughs> Sunshine. That was a garbage game. And anybody who says so, I I would question their taste because they think that game is awful. Um, but yeah, I you know that's it. I mean, it's it's Mario Odyssey. It's pretty much what you expect. Um, you know, maybe we should talk about the Switch at some point. I do like the Switch quite a bit. I mean, I think the Switch is a wonderful piece of hardware we should probably talk about it on a future episode um don't want to get too into that now but uh, i'm I'm a i'm a switch fan i like it a lot uh but yeah i don't know well there you go super mario odyssey it's it is what you thought it would be and there you go (laughs) mario so (laughs) that's all i got man i wish i had more to say but that's that's pretty much it well i mean that honestly
0: that sounds about right sounds pretty par for the course for nintendo and their first party titles
1: yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess maybe I'm a little bit disappointed because I was expecting more. I don't know why I was expecting more, but maybe I was a little bit. And, you know, it, you, know I, you can wish, you can hope. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. Uh, and yeah. I'm sure it's a fine game, but, uh, you know, what else? <laughs> yeah,
0: I think, it, I mean, this brings about maybe a greater discussion that's not exactly for this time to dive into, but it's also about the fact of what people look for in games, because I think something that you and I really look for and really value in games is like uniqueness and creativity and I mean you're not going to get either of those things out of Nintendo's first party franchises I mean like for example like I really loved Echo which we talked about like three episodes back because it's a game that feels I mean although it's like a third person tactical you know, action game, it's like the, the mechanics and the base of it feel unlike anything I've ever played before. And I really value that. And I think you also value a game that feels unique. And some people value, like they don't really need a game to be like fresh or unique. I mean, maybe just being fun is enough for them, which I'm not saying that's like the wrong perspective to have, but it just depends on what you value more in games.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think people find fun in different ways. And, and any way that you find fun is great. Like, I, you know, I don't think we mean to say that one way is better than the other. But I definitely would agree that I think that you and I both look for innovation, creativity, uniqueness, um, new twists, new surprises, because I mean, if something's fun once, that's great. But if it's just the same thing again, it's like less fun to me. Like, I think discovering <laughs> something new is part of the fun for me. I'm guessing probably for you as well. So, you know, that's probably why I liked the first Mario Kart a lot. And I just have never played any of them since. And there's like 15 of them because it's just the same thing over and over. (laughs) Or, uh, you know, like, like Nintendo in general, I think that's a pretty accurate description where, you know, not to not to shit on all Nintendo games, but I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of their games um, stay pretty close to a familiar mold. And if you like that, great. I mean, not to say there hasn't been any invasion. I mean, I think there has for sure. But Uh, They're not really who I go to when I go to like when I want like a new, fresh, interesting, challenging experience that's, you know, they may make some good quality titles. They do for sure, but not to my taste and, uh, you know, clearly not to yours either.
0: Yeah, that sums it up pretty well, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, I hope we haven't angered too many people by not... uh, us mutually like orgasming over super Mario Odyssey. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a fine game. I have nothing bad to say about it. It's just, it seems very predictable and very, very expected. So I'm going to let that go. Maybe I get to it next year. Maybe I won't, who knows? And that is all I have to say. And I think we're probably, we're probably, uh, ready to wrap it up. Corey, what do you think? Yeah, let's, uh,
0: let's wrap this bad boy up. Yep. Um, with all that said and done, that brings us to, I mean, kind of the end. We're going to say it's the end, but really, like I said earlier, the banter is going to be waiting for those who want to hear about it after the, the end credits uh, music. But um, that's going to bring us to the end of our games talk. And before we go, as always, we'd like to remind everybody that you can send us any comments, any thoughts, any feedback, any ideas, any show topics, any specific games you want to hear us talk about, any of that stuff. You can email us at sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as a collective show at So Video Games. And you can also reach us individually on Twitter. Brad, would you like to
1: give out your Twitter handle? Sure, you can reach me. It's uh, my name, Brad Galloway, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's, not a single O in my name. <laughs>
0: Very good, and you can also reach me at my first and last name. Uh, I am Corey Motley on Twitter, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. And if you have been listening to the past few shows, uh, if you have any feedback about the way we've been doing banter at the end, um, we'd love to hear it because we uh, haven't heard a lot uh, back from our new show format. So if you like the game talk at the top and the banter at the end, or if you don't like it, uh, or if you have any suggestions, please let us know. Uh, Brad and I are very open to... Uh, to any feedback or any criticism as long as you're not an asshole then uh we are open to (laughs) it so (laughs) so that's that but uh that'll bring us to the end of the show if you want to stick around for banter uh just keep on listening past the credit music but uh until next time this is bye from Corey
1: and bye from brad we'll see you next time on Twitch where if you watch Twitch and you have Twitch Prime and you have it connected to your Warframe account you can get a bunch of free stuff in the game just by watching Twitch and so what I was doing was I was opening a window in Twitch and then I would I don't watch Twitch because who the fuck's got time to watch Twitch right so like I'm like I I open it up and then I open another window and then I open another window and then open another window so I'm watching like quote unquote watching like five people stream at once (laughs) And so, like, it totally increases your chance of getting free stuff by, you know, by five. Or, I'm not a math person, so whatever that is. However you describe that mathematical probability, like, greatly increases your chances. So uh, I had that of those windows open, and I forgot. And so when I turned on the chat, it was, like, six people talking to my ear at the same time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, uh, the last time I played Warframe, probably actually the time that I played with you, because I don't think I've played since, um, I saw that there was, like, a pop-up on Warframe that was, like, that, that said basically that is like, oh, watch Twitch and with this code or whatever, and you could win free stuff. And for, like, a whole two seconds, I was like, hey, maybe I'll do that. And then I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to watch Twitch to get free stuff in this game. Like, I don't even... I, I don't like watching people play video games to begin with, and I'm not about to, like, go through all of that nonsense just to get some free stuff in a game that I'm not really playing that much anyway. So I very swiftly decided against it.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't watch it if you had to watch it either. But luckily, like you can let it just run. And like for the last couple nights, see, I was stupid because I knew about this and I just like didn't care because just like you, I was like, fuck Twitch, I'm not going to watch anything because like I've got negative fucking free time anyway. But then somebody who was it? It was somebody that was on Twitter. And I really apologize if you're listening because... I want to give you a shout out, and I can't remember what your Twitter handle was, but it's somebody that I know, and it's somebody that I talked to. <laughs> okay, but you know who you are, right? You you on Twitter? You know who you, t- you know who you are that told me. I apologize, I can't remember your name because I'm like I'm out of my head right now. But anyway, he's like, dude, leave it on overnight because they run all night long, and I was like, oh right. So I just like I turn it on before I go to bed, right? So it runs all night long. I'm not watching a minute of it, but I'm still getting all the rewards from it. So I was like, oh, that's a pretty good deal. I'll just leave that running all night long. Not using that bandwidth for anything else at nighttime. (laughs) I actually got a ton of shit. Like it was, I mean, a lot of it was stupid shit. That was dumb. But there's actually a pretty good, fairly good amount of stuff that was pretty significant. So uh, my only regret is that I wish I had been doing it earlier. They've actually been doing it for two whole weeks and i only started doing it like three days ago so i missed out on like all that time that i could have been farming free shit for like zero effort which was (laughs) a bummer but uh dude we got to get you back in man we've been playing like a ton are you uh are you at all interested in jumping back in or now are you done with that
0: no i am i swear i am and i just you know i mean my sleep schedule and everything is so off the wall right now that like, basically, I feel like anytime you guys are playing, I'm either like sleeping or I'm not home or something. But I'd be more than happy to jump in with you. But like, every time you DM me and you're like, hey, we're playing Warframe today, I wake up at like 8 p.m. and like look at my DMs and you DM me like seven hours ago. And I'm like, oh, well, that window is already
1: closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Just let me hit me back whenever you're, whenever you're where you're back because dude, we've been having like a blast with this game, dude. It's been so fun. Um, like, you know, we had that rough patch in the beginning and then, uh, we played a little bit together, but like the more that I'm getting into it and like, uh, the further in I get, like, I'm just really impressed by how much shit is in this game. Like every time I think I get a handle on it, something new pops up or, uh, there'll be some new story twist or there'll be some new mechanic that they didn't know about. And, um, I was playing with Michael Pren, who is, uh, my sensei who was kind of coaching me through most of this. Um, <laughs> Played with him and like, I mean, every little, every single thing he said was like some new bit of information that I didn't know. And it just made me like the game even more because of like all this cool shit that keeps happening. And plus, it's just really fun to play. Like we were playing today and just physically playing that game is really enjoyable. Just jumping around and doing shit. So when you get some time, dude, or when you're awake or whatever, we got (laughs) to, I would be very happy to jump back in. We'll run through your story missions. No problem. And uh, get you caught up to speed and shit. I will. Uh try hard to keep up my part of the bargain on this it'll be good times just hit hit me up anytime and if we're around we'll jump on it's it's good times for sure i've actually been really surprised at um how much i've been really liking i really like it like a lot and uh i'm trying to think of some way i can get it on my top 10 of the year because i've spent so much time on it it'd be a shame not to write about it in some capacity but uh i'm still working on that so we'll see we'll see um dude so i feel like it's been a jillion years since we've talked I feel like it's been like a long long time
0: that's funny because whenever I got out of bed today uh I was Patrick got home from grocery shopping and I was in the kitchen with him and I told him I was like yeah I woke up and uh, I was like Brad DM'd me and asked me whose script it was tonight and I was like god damn I feel like we just podcast like yesterday and we're already doing it again
1: (laughs) oh that's ridiculous dude it feels like it's been like a year since we podcasted man I'm like oh my god oh, so many things have happened. I had, like, six more kids, and I, you know, started my own business, and, you know, like, all this stuff happens the last time we talked to Corey, and yeah, it's funny. It feels like it's just yesterday for you, although you're probably sleeping for half of it, though, man. You get so much sleep, I'm so jealous.
0: I know. It's really true. Like, yesterday was, I, I literally slept for, like, 12, about maybe 11 to 12 hours last night, and I had a very strange, uh, not strange, but, like, different and enjoyable day yesterday so like i got up and um i have one of my this uh lovely woman named heather that i went to or i didn't i was about to say i went to high school with her but that would be a lie um, i met her when i was actually i didn't meet her in high school what i don't know why i'm tracing this back to high school <laughs> do you even know this I don't, lady Corey? what's I don't, going on i don't know her um this is like a catfish situation no she <laughs> she dated my best guy friend from high school named nick um she dated nick for like a year or something whenever I was in college and Nick and I graduated in the same year from high school, but I went to college directly after, um, directly after high school. And he stayed in Kansas city and worked for two years and then came to college. And in that buffer zone, when I was in college and he was still in Kansas city, he started dating this woman named Heather. And, uh, and at one point, like, you know, when I went home to Kansas city, I met her and I really like her. And she's like, She's just, like, she's just great. Like, she's she's really, like, fun and really out there and really, like, daring. And it was, like, the perfect situation where, like, you know, because, like, whenever you have a best friend and they start dating someone, it's always that weird situation of, like, oh, my God, what if I don't like this person? What if, like... He ends up getting married to her and I don't like her. But with Heather, like Nick is on a roll with like really good girlfriends. So like I really liked her. And then his next girlfriend, uh, Sarah, I like loved her. And then he had a girlfriend after that named Sam. And like she was pretty great. So like, you know, long story short. Oh, he, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. If they're all so great, how come you keep stopping them?
0: Because he has issues. Um, oh, so he, he's
1: the problem.
0: He, I mean, I, uh, like, Nick, I love Nick to death. Like, honestly, um, I, I actually, like, am kind of in love with him, and he knows that. Like, I would, <laughs> I, I would, like, give up everything, maybe, to be with him if he decided that he were gay, but he is not, and... Um,
1: well, lucky and, for Patrick, I guess. Jesus. Yeah.
0: I mean, Patrick likes him, too. So maybe we could work out some kind of, like, three-way relationship thing, like an open relationship. But that's all beside the <laughs> point. Um, but Nick Nick has major commitment issues. And he has actually, um, like, his his comm- commitment issues are potentially so deep that he, like, moves to foreign countries as a way to break up with girlfriends. And I'm only slightly exaggerating Jesus, dude. This. That's, a, that's a bit extreme. I mean, he god damn i hope he never listens to the show he probably won't but um he he like was dating one woman and he went to go teach in africa while he was in college it was like uh and i'm not kidding about this like he he like he didn't do it to break up with her but it was like a way for him to like go And kind of like leave the relationship and he like taught in Africa for a while and then he came back and kept going back to school because he taught like over the summer or something and then he started dating someone else and then he went and taught in Egypt and he was like in Egypt for a while and he was like backpacking around Europe and all this stuff and then um, he came back and he moved out of the college town that we were living in after he had graduated and everything and he... Um, he was like, he moved back in with his parents in the Kansas city area and he was trying to find a job and he wasn't, I don't think he was seeing anybody at this point, but he ended up enlisting in the air force, which was like a huge surprise to me because like, he's like the last person I would have ever, ever suspected to like go into the armed forces or go into the military or Navy or air force or anything. And he basically had such a hard time finding a job and didn't want to live at home, so that seemed like his big out, like, well, I can join Jesus. the Air Force, and Ugh, yeah, god. so like, that, like, I mean, imagine the job market in the United States being so bad that he feels obligated to join the, join the armed forces just to, like, get paid, like, that's basically the situation he
1: was in. That is in. like a, that is a personal nightmare, dude, oh my god, I would, uh, it would have to be so yeah. bad for me to do that.
0: So, I mean, I'm getting way out of the realm of the story that I actually wanted to tell. So, um, so that's a little bit about Nick, but, um, his, his first serious girlfriend that I met named Heather, um she, she and I have kept in contact a little bit after they broke up, which is fine. Cause like, you know, I like her and she's really cool and she likes me. And she moved to Portland like two years ago from Kansas city. And she is in school and she works at like a veterinary clinic and she's very like animal friendly and all that stuff. And she's uh, really into that. And, she uh, is in town in New Orleans this week to with some friends that she met from Kansas City, I think, who like live in California now or something. And so they all kind of flew uh, to New Orleans to meet up, and they got an Airbnb, and they're like here for a week for like Halloween and like to party and stuff. And I went out with them last night, and we went to a burlesque show. Have you ever been to a burlesque show, Brad?
1: Um. I've been to a show that has had burlesque in it, and I've been to some pretty racy drag shows, but I've never been to a straight-up just burlesque show. I don't think so, no. Well,
0: we went... um, Fun fact, Heather used to be a burlesque dancer herself, and I actually... The first burlesque show I ever went to was in Kansas City, where she performed. So I went to see her perform and to see everybody else, and it was kind of like my first taste of like burlesque show and that kind of atmosphere. And last night there was a there's a theater like way on the east side of New Orleans, and they were hosting a Halloween-themed burlesque show uh based on Stephen King's works and it was called not It but Tit So it was a burlesque show called Tit featuring Pantywise the Clown instead of Pantywise the Clown. And I should be was, laughing it, at
1: that, but I'm laughing at that.
0: <laughs> I mean, it was actually really, really good. Like, the thing that I really liked about it was instead of it just being like... Because a lot of burlesque shows are kind of like... Uh, like a mishmash variety show of like disconnected acts, you know, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But this one was like an actual theatrical play. And it had like the, it kind of followed the storyline from it, from the movie and the book and the miniseries. And it had like, you know, burlesque scenes in the middle of it. So it was like a little bit silly, but burlesque in in and of itself is kind of like, you know, a comedic caricature on you know situations of themselves. So like, it made sense in the context, but it was really cool. And, um, Heather was really shocked that it had. It was only my second burlesque show that I've ever been to because I like burlesque, but it's not something that I like actively seek out. And maybe I should, you know, from this point forward, because uh, Heather was like, she was like, you're in like the burlesque capital of the world. You live there and you don't see, you don't go see burlesque shows anymore. And so maybe I should do that. But something that I liked about the show last night also was um, the cast was about women and maybe like 40% men. And uh, I mean, usually when you think of burlesque, you don't think of like men doing burlesque, or at least I don't. And uh, they actually had like men on stage, like doing kind of like a stripping burlesque uh, sequences as well. And it was really cool because um, like in the second scene, when they all, all the characters from, from it got together on stage and they were, it was like the, you know, after 40 years of them reuniting, like in, in the book and whatnot, um, there were like three guys on stage and one of the dudes, uh, I was like, wow, he's really cute. Like I hope that he strips in the show. And then in the next scene he was doing his burlesque number and, it was uh, pretty great for me, and like the early like, the, Christmas
1: the, for Corey. Yeah,
0: it was nice, and like the, the and like the fun thing about burlesque is like they they encourage a lot of like crowd interaction. So like anytime you see something that you you know you like quote unquote you're supposed to like you know scream and shout. And so it was cool because like you know there'd be like a lady on stage and she'd have like you know, suspenders on and she would like slide a suspender strap over her shoulder. And then the whole crowd starts like, you know, hooting and hollering for her. And it's just, it's really cool to see that kind of like, it's like, you know, obviously sexualization of, you know, like male and female forms, but it's not like in a predatory way, you know, kind of like, like a strip club. I mean, I feel like a slightly predatory, but burlesque is more about like, the art form and, like, the tease and the dance and, you know, the flavor. Yeah, far
1: more consensual and more of an actual performance rather than just, like, the flesh being on display. And, of course, at a good show, I mean, I would assume that the people have, you know, talent and they have, like, a whole act planned out and it's not just, you know, getting up there.
0: Yeah, totally. And, uh, And so, I mean, it was just really fun to be out there last night and to you know, see Heather again and to meet her friends. And like, we went back to their house and we ended up going out last night to bars. We didn't even go out until like one o'clock in the morning. So I felt like uh, on one hand I was like, God, I'm too old for this shit. But on the other hand, I was like, wow, this is really fun. Like I haven't done this in a while. So we were out from like probably like one until about four in the morning and Although we were out that long, I it wasn't really nearly as like a debaucherous of an evening as I was expecting it to be because I thought we were all going to be like hammered and like sloshing around the French Quarter, but really I only had like three drinks out last night and like we ubered back home to their airbnb and i was like perfectly fine to drive home so i just came home at probably like five in the morning or so and sat down to a nice bowl of nachos and then went to bed oh and jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> it was uh, it was a quality evening
1: and then i slept for like 12 hours so uh, oh my it god, good times i'm still trying to get over nachos at 5 a.m dude that would be like <laughs> holy holy shit that would be yeah, like me how... being suicidal <laughs>
0: That's kind of how, like, fucked my sleep schedule is right now. And, like, the night before, um, I had gone out all day to do a photo shoot. There's a guy, the parkour gym in town, um, one of the co-owners of it. His name is High, Um, He is putting together a submission video for American Ninja Warrior. And Peyton, the guy that I spend – the parkour guy I spend the most time with here, who I photograph the most, he does a lot of video production and video editing. And he's, like, in school for that kind of stuff, like special effects and – um, High had kind of asked Peyton if he would want to, you know, if he would help him film and, you know, kind of get the submission video together. And then High inv- or Peyton invited me along just to hang out and, you know, kind of be there to help out. And so I took a bunch of pictures of High the other day and we were out from like, I mean, 10 a.m. to probably like maybe like 6 p.m. And then I came home and ate and I took a quote unquote nap that lasted from about 7 p.m. until about 1230 in the morning and (laughs) got up and I was editing high's pictures from like one o'clock in the morning and I didn't go back to bed until like nine or 10 a.m. So like every time I try to straighten out my sleep schedule, I end up doing something that just fucks it all over again. And right now I'm in that nocturnal uh, cycle again.
1: Gee, I don't know, man. It kind of sounds to me like you're living your best life, dude.
0: I mean, I can't argue with that. Like, I definitely, my quality of life, I mean, I guess it kind of like bounces wildly back and forth depending on the week I'm in. But like the last few days have been, have been very good days. Like I'm obviously at my happiest whenever I'm, you know, out taking pictures and editing pictures. And I mean, it sounds really cheesy to say, but like photography has very obviously become like, maybe the thing in life that I'm the most passionate about recently. So, like, anytime I'm doing that, like, sitting down at the computer, like, looking over shots I've done or editing them or, you know, getting them ready, like, that's when I feel the happiest, I guess. So it's nice to any, – any day I get to spend doing that and then coming home and editing, it's uh, – I just feel like I'm at, like, peak Corey life. So it's been pretty good.
1: That sounds like a good time, man. I I admire – The fact that you've got the chance to live those days right now, because, you know, those things are not forever. I mean, at some point, you'll either get too old to to keep up that kind of schedule or something else will get in the way. or You have to get a job to pay some bills or something will change. I say I say live it while you got the chance, man, because it's not going to be forever. And this sounds like you're really in a good groove. So, you know, being up all night long, editing pictures that you really care about, taking photos of things that you like. I mean, that to me sounds pretty fucking sweet right now, dude.
0: Yeah, I can't lie. I mean, it's pretty great. I, I do feel a sense of guilt, though, because, like, I am I am incredibly, like, fortunate to be able to live this life right now because of the fact that I have a partner who makes enough money to support both of us. So, like, I mean, obviously, I've talked about it on the show before, and, you know, I've I have not stopped looking for a career since I got to... New Orleans, like I'm filling out job applications on a weekly basis. I recently got a part-time job that I, I mean, it's not producing a ton of work yet, but hopefully it will pretty soon whenever like, uh, you know, the season, fourth quarter season starts to heat up. But, um, I mean, on one hand I'm living a good life. And on the other hand, I feel guilty because I'm not really like making a whole lot of money right now, but I'm able to live this life uh, because of, you know, the fortunate, partner situation that I'm in. So there, there's a little bit of guilt that comes
1: with that. I hear that, man. I hear that. But, you know, I mean, if, uh, you know, we don't have to get too deeply into this, uh, this aspect of it if you don't want to. But I mean, you know, this is, I'm sure going to be a very temporary thing. It's going to be like a little brief window in the span that will be your life. And, you know, I'm sure that at some point things will flip, you know, maybe they'll close nuclear plant and then you'll be supporting Patrick for a while or, who knows, man, like, you know, like, if he's not, if he's not, uh, feeling burned by this whole thing, I say just ride it for a while and just, just enjoy it because it sounds like you just ended up in a real good spot that, you know, like I said, it's not going to be forever, but hopefully you'll be able to get some enjoyment out of it. And, uh, you know, you'll, it'll come around like Patrick doing this good deed and supporting you. It'll, it'll come back in a positive way for him later on, or it'll just be beneficial to you both or something, you know?
0: Yeah. I hope that one of these days I will be, a famous photographer and I'll be globe trotting to shoot parkour all over the world. And those paychecks will start rolling in from sponsorships. And then I'll be able to support
1: us from that. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Dude, you retire him from the uh, nuclear plant He can stop pushing that red button and stop eating donuts. And you guys can go out and (laughs) hang out in Europe or some shit. Send me a postcard. It'll be all good, man. It'll be good. Cool. And throughout all of that,
0: even if I'm in Oh, geez. Santorini, Greece, photographing the art of motion, you know, and we're on a 15 hour time difference. I will always make time to sit down and do the weekly podcast with you. So don't you forget it.
1: You better, man. I'm counting on it, dude. I am counting on it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you, man, it's been uh, it hasn't been parkour photos and burlesque uh, shows for me (laughs) over here. It's been pretty fucking stressful. I got to tell you, let me just let me just unload on you for a minute here. Oh no. Um, not, I mean, not in a bad way, but like, so we talked about my son wanting me to make him a Halloween costume a while ago, right? I'm, I'm sure I mentioned that, didn't I? Are, is this the diva costume you're working on? Yeah. Yeah. So just to recap for people who may not have caught that episode or it's actually been a while since I talked about it. Uh, like, like in September, maybe it was even the end of August. It was a while ago. He was like, Oh dad, I want to be uh diva from overwatch for, for Halloween. I'm like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And he's like, yeah, but I don't want like, diva in her, um, you know, like jumpsuit or whatever. He's like, I want to be in the mech suit. And I'm like, yeah, okay, we can do that. Sure. And he's like, yeah. And I want it to like transform and it'll jump out and it'll be, I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. We're not, no, no, we're not transforming anything. I'm not making two fucking costumes. There's no way. Like I'm, a, I'm a talented guy. I'm very resourceful. My wife is great together. We can come up with some amazing things, but I think a transforming mech suit that he could drive for Halloween in two months with my limited funds, is not going to happen. So I'm like, forget it. But I'm like, but I can do. I can do a mech suit. We can cobble that together. We're going to get this together. This is this is doable. This part is doable. So we scaled back uh, his his concept. It was going to be. So here's here's what the basic concept was. So Diva's mech suit. Well, that was going to be like the size of his body, right? So then there's going to be a little window over his face and chest. We were going to make a teeny little um, pair of hands and arms. And then his real head would be in there. So it would look like D.Va in her cockpit. And it would just be like his head with a couple of fake arms next to it. And then his real arms would be the arms of the mech suit. So he'd be able to like walk around as if she was piloting the mech suit and fire with his guns, because that would be his arms. The mech suit legs would be his legs, obviously. And then it that like, that like that is what we were shooting for. So I'm like, this is a good plan. We can do this. So like... The day after we came up with this idea, I got all the materials together—mostly cardboard, duct tape, spray paint, you know, whatever. Just real, nothing fancy. I mean, I'm not like a cosplay expert, and I had to do this like in my spare time when I wasn't working, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, I'm like, all right, we'll just get going on this. And uh, I made like a couple of legs, and I made it. See, I actually, I got, I got ahead of myself because I made the legs first, and I actually made it so that they looked like the legs were bending backwards, the way that diva's mech suits were. So I was like, oh, look at me. I'm so great. I totally did this design. It looks all super fancy. This is awesome. And then I just like, I stopped for like two weeks because I just had such a big success the first time out. And then, you know, like you think you had all this time and oh yeah, I'll just do it tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. And then, you know, tomorrow comes, ah, no big deal. I'll do it tomorrow. And so like, I let it go for too long. I mean, to be, to be honest, I was also really busy. I had like a ton of work that was going on too. So it's not like I was just kicking it out of the couch or nothing, but. You know, I mean, it was really tempting to like just jump on PS4 and play some for an hour instead of like going to work on the costume again. But it's always been in the back of my mind. So like a week and a half ago, my son is like, dad, it's getting close to Halloween. And I'm like, fuck, OK, <laughs> got to get on it, got to get on it. So like, OK, so like I, I got serious. I took a day off of work because I wanted just to stay home and just focus on that thing. So I totally took a day off. This like, got up in the morning, made a cup of coffee. Worked on that motherfucker all day long. Like my hands and fingers were sore from like all the taping and the cutting and the bending and the shaping and the whatever I was doing. I was like, oh my God, I was exhausted. I mean, it sounds ridiculous that you could be tired putting together this costume, but I was like tired by the end of the day. So that day really bought me um, a lot of progress. I took about another half a day off um, to get it done because just as a side note here, Corey, um, you probably know this and I think people who know me know this, but like Something that's really important to me in my life is like when I say something, like I, I do it. Like my word is good. Like I live by my word, and I know a lot of people say that. I know it's a popular thing to say, but for me, it is absolutely fucking true. Like I'm not just saying like if I'm just chit chatting or whatever. If I say if I say Corey, I I am saying to you right now, I will do X, Y, and Z. You can count on that. Like that is that is like solid. That is written in blood, carved into stone. That thing <laughs> will happen. Like I guarantee it. Um, And the reason for that being was my dad made a lot of promises when we were growing up and he never fulfilled any of them. He was a constant liar. He constantly said he was going to do things that he never did, made all these promises, you know, talked a big game, never followed through. And it just really taught me to like not trust him and to not, and be really wary of people who don't live up to their promises, right? So for me, it is like almost the most important thing in my life that if I say something, like if I give you my word, I promise that I will do this thing that shit gets done. I don't care what else happens. That thing gets done. Like I do not break my word ever. Like I would rather, I would rather like die than like willingly break my word. So when I told my son that this costume was going to get done, this motherfucker was going to get done. (laughs) Um, so long story short, it's already a long story, so it's not really short, but I'm making it longer by saying it's going to be short. Still a long story. Anyway, uh, we got, uh, most of the thing done. I had to scale back the design a little bit because one thing I didn't consider was that for how big that suit was, A, it was difficult to walk around in and B, it was heavy. Like, you don't think of um, something like that being too heavy. Uh, But when he put it on, like the first thing he said was like, oh, this is really heavy, dad. And I'm like, "Okay, fuck, because like he's not going to be able to walk around and trick or treat like he's going to get 50 feet and he's going to want to take it off because it's too heavy. So (laughs) I got rid of some of the stuff. I totally changed the design a little bit, scaled it way back so that it was manageable for a child of eight. Um, and so we, it's a, it's really modified compared to what I had in the first place, but I think it looks good. And all that's left is I got to put a little detailing on it tomorrow and then we're done. So I totally made it. I got it done before Halloween. I was really fucking stressed out. I was really sweating. I was working hard, but I'm glad that I got it done. I mean, I would have done whatever it took. I was not going to let him down at all. Never, never, never. Uh, but I'm glad I got it done and I feel really good. I'm I'll post some pictures of it when it's all finished and we got the details on it. And we've got him in the costume. I'll send you a picture. Maybe I'll post it on Twitter or something like that. I think it looks really good for the amount of money we spent, which is basically nothing. It took a lot of time. And he's eight, so he's not uh, not a super big guy. So it had to be kind of a small size. But I think that if you look at it, I think that you will be as pleased as I am because I think it looks really good. So I am very proud. And I'm also relieved. (laughs) So does he have like...
0: So if his arms, if if his arms are the guns still, if that's still a thing, um, yeah, yeah. What 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 is he? If you, this question might sound creepy, and I don't mean it to, but like, what is he wearing under the suit? Does he have like her silly like jumpsuit on, or did you like make him an outfit for it?
1: So what so what's going to happen is he's got like he's got like the big dome armor piece that's like kind of like the bulk of the diva suit, like that big rounded piece at the top. Mm-hmm. So that covers like quite a bit of him there's a, there's a back piece to it and there's a chest piece to it. So that's basically covering him almost all the way. And then I had to get rid of the legs because it was too clunky and heavy to walk around in. So I made him like these really, really super small, um, tiny leg pieces that are nowhere near what I built the first time. So he's wearing those over his shins. And then underneath all that stuff, he's going to have like a black jumpsuit. So it's going to look like, it's supposed to look like just the mech suit body. So like, okay, okay. Everything's going to be black. And then Whatever the cardboard parts are not covering, it'll just be like black jumpsuit and it should look like a scaled down, you know, mech, mech hip or mech thigh or something like that. So it should all go together pretty well, hopefully.
0: Okay. Got
1: it. Got it. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I'll send you some pics. We'll see. We'll see what's happening. Um, total, total change of subject. Uh, I don't know if I told you about this, but I finished the Miss Fisher TV episodes that were available on Netflix. Did I tell you about this?
0: Uh, you did not tell me, but I saw your distraught tweets about finishing Oh, my it.
1: God. I was so <laughs> sad. I was. I, OK, so like I love that show. I I started out liking that show. And by the end of that, by the time it was done and we watched, um, I think it was three seasons. Is it three seasons or two seasons? Whatever. It was not very many seasons. By the time we got to the end, I loved that show. I loved every character on that show. I, the whole thing was just great. I was just, I became the biggest fucking fan. But what happened was um, we went to the Retro Game Expo. I think I talked about it last episode. We brought my wife's laptop. And when we were chilling in the hotel, room, we watched a couple episodes to kind of catch up. And we did not realize that we were on the last season and so close to the last episode. We thought we had a little bit more to go. So we weren't really paying attention to, like, how much was left, right? So we get back home, get up for our, our morning or weekend uh, with Miss Fisher, like we've been doing for the last couple months. And then we watch this episode, and you know, nothing special. I'm just like, oh, drinking some coffee and sitting there, kicking it. And then, like, they're like, oh yeah, this these characters got married, and this person went so and so, and this, and like, wait a minute, this feels like they're wrapping things up. What's going on? And I totally like pause the thing, and there's like two minutes left, and it's the final episode, and I'm like, oh my god, it's the last episode. There's also, Oh my god, it's the last I'm like, ah! I start screaming. Boy, it's like, oh my god, it's the last. Episode. I'm like, I know like screaming at each other's faces this last episode. We're not, re- we're not ready. We're not emotionally <laughs> prepared to let go, Corey. We were not ready. I just paused. And I'm like, oh fuck, we're out of episodes. There's no more. There's literally no more. I mean, thankfully the Kickstarter um met its goal and like, you know, it got like four times what it was asking. So that movie's going to get made. We've got, we've got the movie to look forward to, but who knows when that's going to be. But like, I wanted a moment to just, be ready to say goodbye to Miss Fisher because I loved spending time with that show so much. I've enjoyed it so much. Could not. We were we were traumatized. We were literally traumatized <laughs> that we were not ready for the final episode. Oh God, that was a that was a bad morning at my house. Let me tell you. Um, but I love that show. You should give the show a try. I don't know if it'll be your jam, but you know, try like the first like two episodes and see if anything clicks with you. I think it's uh, a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but we needed something to replace. Miss Fisher, I mean, not that anything could ever replace Miss Fisher, but, uh, you know, our, our jam is to watch TV shows on the weekend because, uh, you know, we just have some uh, husband and wife time and have, you know, a cup of coffee on the couch and just reconnect and watch a show. Um, so we started watching The Bletchley Circle. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. It is the most horrible name. I hate saying the word Bletchley. Isn't it the worst word?
0: Bletchley. It, it does not roll off the tongue, that's for sure.
1: It is terrible. It is terrible. This is a British show about four women who were code breakers during World War II. Now, I don't think that these women, this is not based in fact. This is, I mean, it was a fact that there were people breaking codes in England during World War II. Like, that is a fact. And them being cryptologists and stuff like that. Those people were real back in the day. But this show just takes that idea and, like, fictionalizes it. So this is not a documentary or anything. This is, like, a fiction show. And what happens is somebody in Britain is killing ladies and the police aren't doing anything about it because they can't catch the guy. And these four cryptologists who um, finish their tour of duty with England, the war is over, life goes on. It's like 10 years later and they're bored housewives and they miss their life during wartime when they had so much responsibility. Um, They see that these killings are happening. And they want to do something about it, and so they gather all the clues. And of course, they're all super, super smart because they were code breakers. And so, with the four of them combined, they're able to piece together, um, you know, the clues that the cops have missed. And they go to like catch this guy who's murdering people. Um, I thought it was a pretty cool idea. And there was only two seasons of it, and I think each season was like four episodes or three episodes, pretty short. Uh, The first one started out really strong, and I was really into it. But by the time they got to the end of the first arc, I felt like they really lost their way like quite a bit. Um, a, a couple of the things that they tried to pass as like motivation for the killer didn't work, and it seemed like they were kind of cutting corners to get the main characters into a dangerous situation to like build up that drama, you know? So I was like, mm, that was a stretch. We started watching season two, and I was like, I was done. Like It just didn't... <laughs> it didn't click. It did not click. So we kind of said goodbye to the Bletchley Circle. Great idea, but not not for us. But... I've been waiting to watch something else for quite a while. And we decided to start Veronica Mars. Have you ever seen Veronica Mars? Is that the one with Kristen
0: Bell? It is where she's like the like photojournalist detective yes. or something. Yes. Yeah, Have I've you heard of that? it, and I know that it got... Because the movie came out, right? The Kickstarter movie already came it out It did. For that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've never, ever seen it, but I've heard... I mean, I know what it is, and I've heard, I guess, nothing but good things about it. But uh, I pro-
1: probably would not watch it, but I certainly know what it is. Okay, so for those folks who don't know... And, like, I've heard of the series just like you. I didn't really know what it was about. I've heard a million people tell me that it was up my alley... It's by the same guy that did iZombie. So I was like, oh, I love iZombie. iZombie is the shit. So if this guy did Veronica Mars, it's probably it's probably good as well. Um, and you haven't seen iZombie yet, have you? I have not. Oh, dude. You've got you've got so much TV watching to do, mister. You gotta just sit your fanny on the couch and you better get that Netflix up and running. You got so many good shows to catch up on, man. I um,
0: I am like waist deep in two different seasons of Star Trek right now, so I don't wanna hear it.
1: Queue it up. Queue it up. After Star Trek is done, get to these other shows because this is this is good shit, dude. So so Veronica Mars, um, it's so Kristen Bell, I didn't really I don't I haven't really seen her in a lot of things. I mean I knew who she was. but in this series, she's like supposed to be 17 or 18 and she's very young, so it's kind of weird to me because I've only seen her as a grown-up. to see her kid version is kind of weird. <laughs> um, but she's in a town, some shitty like SoCal Richie rich Oceanside town. Um, what happens is her best friend gets killed and she gets date raped, like in the very first episode. Oh, geez. And so, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a harsh beginning. Um, that's kind of in the past. You jump forward and then she's just like an outcast in the town because um, oh, a- ABC, long story. I don't want to you know clutter the whole thing, but basically she ends up becoming a photojournalist slash private detective. Uh, who is in this town? And there's like a lot of shit going in the town. It's like it's like the kind of town where like everybody's got a secret, and you can't really trust everybody. So she's really trying to figure out what's going on, who actually killed her best friend, and I think probably who fucking date raped her too. Um, so that's probably gonna unfold over time. She is a very strong character, and I love that. I she is not afraid to like get in people's faces, or she tells them where to get off. She doesn't take shit from anybody, and. She just, you know, she's very true to herself, which I really like. But she's also a person. I mean, she's also sad about things. She's also unsure about things. I mean, it's really good writing. I really like it so far. We've seen about, I think, five or six episodes immediately in. Like, I I sense a lot of the same tones uh, from Rob Thomas, who does um, iZombie. He's done a couple other things, I think. So I think I'm definitely a fan of this guy because I really like his approach. And I would strongly recommend this series to anybody. Um, I'm glad that I finally uh, took the advice that so many people over the years have given me. Uh, Primarily Rowan Kaiser, I think, really tried to talk me into it a while ago. A friend, not a friend. I don't think he's a friend of the show. I don't think he even knows our show exists, but he's, I don't know, an acquaintance, a good friend, not a good friend, a friend. I don't know. He's a good guy. (laughs) Rowan, if you're listening, you're not listening, but if you are listening, you know I love you, man. Uh, but yeah, he tried to get me into it a while ago, and I was really too busy at the time, but uh, I'm really glad I got into it. I think we're going to watch this whole show because I'm really digging this so far. So I would recommend it to anybody who likes iZombie, who likes strong woman characters, who likes um, smartly written shows with good dialogue and a little mystery uh, to go alongside. So I've been very, um, very happy with that so far. So I'm in a good space, I think, right now. Uh, it sounds like it.
0: And... uh related news as far as finishing shows up uh goes I as I probably have talked about before I've been watching Star Trek Voyager and the only episode I have left is the series finale which is an hour and a half long like two-parter I think but they generally they generally don't if it's like a season premiere or a season finale they don't really like split them up it's just like kind of like one like one and a half hour episode and I'm very sad that Star Trek Voyager is going to be gone because this is quite possibly the only show ever, maybe, that I have watched every single episode of in the entire series. So um, I'm kind remind of interested. Remind me really
1: quick. Remind me, which one is Voyager? Because I, I am a Star Trek fan, but I'm not like super fan. I haven't seen all of them. Which, which one is Voyager? It is
0: uh, Captain Janeway.
1: Oh okay, I don't think I've seen any episodes of that one. Yeah, that's um what is what is that actress's name that plays her? Uh Kate Mulgrew? Yes. Okay, yes. I know. Okay. I know the one you're talking about now. I don't think I've seen that one. So you like that one, huh?
0: Yeah, I do. And I mean, like not every episode is like amazing, and it's kind of like a capsule show, so like it's not one where every single episode builds a narrative into the next into the next like almost every like, I mean, they certainly reference other episodes, but almost every episode is kind of like its own self-contained story, which a lot of people don't like about it. But I actually think that's okay because like, it basically gives them the freedom to kind of do whatever they want in any episode. And I mean, some are better than others, but I mean, the whole point of Voyager is that they get like at the very beginning of the series, uh, the, uh, Voyager ship gets caught in some like wormhole and they get, Uh, put into the Delta Quadrant which is like super duper far away from from Earth and I mean basically the point of the whole show is that they're trying to very slowly get back to Earth and get back to like you know um, like our solar system and stuff and like the last season although there have been some strong episodes like I kind of thought that they would establish a pretty good narrative about like getting back to Earth um, you know or like getting closer or something but a lot of the episodes have just been like singular character episodes and like the episode before the series finale that i watched like a few days ago i mean it was like an important episode but it didn't really like establish them getting any closer to earth so i have a feeling that the series finale is just going to be like oh hey we're back on earth and like i don't like i kind of (laughs) wish that like because i mean there are episodes sprinkled throughout the series that have like major advancements with them like getting back in contact with Starfleet and like, you know, maybe finding an alien race that has some kind of technology that lets them boost forward a little bit faster or something. And, you know, it's not like they leave earth and then they never talk about it until the series finale. But I just kind of feel like that the last season hasn't been as cohesive as I want it to be. And I still like the show an awful lot. I think it has really um, some pretty strong characters in it. Um, but I, I just really interested to see what the series finale is going to hold because I don't like, I I literally think it's just going to be like, Oh, Hey, we're on earth now. And we're going to talk about like what everybody's doing, but I'm not sure, but I'm looking forward to it. And I will also, uh, be sad to see the series go once
1: I'm finished. It's always tough to say goodbye to a series you've enjoyed. I, um, I feel that man. I feel that I feel your pain. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I I like it when a series goes out while you still like it, because that's good. (laughs) There have been many examples of where I love something and then it just went on for too fucking long and then I hated it by the end. And that's really sad. So it's good to go out on top. But, you know, at the same time, it's also really it's really sad to see something you go uh, something you let go. And then, you know, there's just I mean, there's other series, of course. I mean, you could watch other Star Trek series or the new one or whatever. But yeah, I mean, just saying goodbye to that one thing that you like is really tough. So
0: Totes. And I have been watching, um, Star Trek Discovery, which is the new, the new series on CBS. Um, it's actually every, it comes on every Sunday. So I tend to watch the episode right before we podcast. And, um, I have to say, I really like Star Trek Discovery. Um, I think it's really solid. I think it has really good characters. I think it has really good writing. And the episode that was on tonight was sort of like its own kind of capsule episode. Cause um, I think it's like, we're on episode like seven or so at this point, maybe like seven or eight. And I mean, the discovery series has been doing a really good job of building one cohesive narrative over every episode but tonight was sort of like a capsule episode where it was very star trekky in the sense that like and this one they got caught in like a time loop and it was kind of like um uh like that tom cruise movie where he keeps reliving the same day over and over again yeah, like it reminded yeah, me yeah. of that where like like the the um like engineering officer on the ship was the only one that knew the time loop was happening and he was like trying to uh get uh uh officer I don't know if she's an officer on the show but the main character Michael Burnham um she he was trying to get her in on the time loop and get her to figure out what was going on with him and to like stop the bad guy and it was I don't know it was really good I really really like discovery and it just got renewed for a second season like last week so
1: hopefully um, it will be two seasons and then many more to come after that. Excellent. Excellent. I'm very excited about that one. I am looking forward to checking that out. I haven't had a chance yet, but it is on my radar for sure. Good. Good. I
0: think you should watch it. And I think everybody should watch it because I like it. And I like people to enjoy things that
1: I enjoy. <laughs> me too. Me too. Oh, you know, okay. So like, I got to say this. I I, I wasn't going to say this, but I feel like I should probably say this. And I can say it at the end of banter. <laughs> Like, I, I had this difficult interaction with someone. I'm not going to name any names because this is not about calling anybody out or anything. But um, I had actually two very difficult interactions this weekend. Um, and I wasn't sure I was going to talk about these. But since we're here, let me just talk about it real quick. The first one, the minor one, um, is like, so I'm a critic, right? My, my job, my thing that I do is I play something or read something or, whatever, you know, whatever. I have an opinion. Like, I write my opinion. I, I look at something critically. I compare it to other things in the genre. I compare it to its place in, you know, the medium overall, point out the good things, point out the bad things. That's just kind of what the fuck a critic does, right? And so I was talking to someone today and it kind of surprised me because um, I, don't, I don't want to give too much away because I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings here. Uh, but it was, it's difficult because I notice more and more that people are saying it's okay to not like something and to not shit all over it. And I totally agree with that. Like, I think that is absolutely true. If you like something that I don't like, I think that's great. I don't have to like tear your thing down. I don't have to be upset that you like it. There's nothing wrong with you for you liking it. If I don't like it, like that's totally fine. No problem at all. But I think that's that sentiment, which is really positive, I think is starting to bleed into don't be so critical. Like being critical is what a critic does, and pointing out something that's wrong or something that's good um, about a, a, a product or a project or anything that that's what we need to keep things that we like moving forward like if we don't criticize things if we don't examine things then we just keep repeating ourselves nothing changes nothing gets better so we need both sides of those things but i think that those people who are all about i like a thing and you don't have to like it and that's fine which is fine i think those people are starting to lose their boundary a little bit and i think they're starting to go off on the whole don't criticize this thing because i like it like you're shitting on this thing when it's actually just I'm trying to be critical about something. I'm trying to, to discuss something and that doesn't take away from your enjoyment of it. So I think I really don't want those two things to bleed over because I support both of those things. And I feel like they're kind of like morphing into like a versus and I don't think they need to be against each other. I think they're two separate silos, but people are pushing them together and they shouldn't be pushed together. Well, it's kind of like, that makes me think of
0: like, you know, when people are like, oh, you need to keep, politics out of games or whatever. And what they really mean is you need to keep politics as I don't agree with out of games. I feel like that's kind of the same thing. It's like, people are like, Hey, it's cool. If you don't like this thing, as long as you don't write about it, like that's basically what they mean when they say that, or as long as you don't podcast about it or like put your opinion out there indefinitely about it in writing, you know, you can not like this thing, but just don't, don't, you know, don't write that out loud and publish it somewhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the other half of this equation, I mean, you're totally correct. I absolutely agree. Um, I think the other half of the, the concept of, I like this thing and you don't have to like it and you don't have to shit on me for liking it. That's correct. But I think the other half of that equation is if I see somebody discussing something that I like and they don't, I don't assume that they're shitting on me about it. Like, you know, like, like that, that talk has to exist. Like if they don't like it, It's equally okay that they don't like it. And it's equally okay that they talk about it. Like, I'm not saying attack anybody, but I'm saying just because the discussion is happening, don't assume someone is shitting on your enjoyment of it because that's not what it is. It's just, we're discussing some of this other thing. And, you know, you gotta be, if you want people to respect your feelings, you have to respect other people's feelings. And I think that maybe one one half of that teeter-totter is getting pushed too far down (laughs) and the other one is not getting its time. So that's, that's that's one instance that happened this weekend. The other thing was really weird, and um, I was on Twitter really, really early morning, like first thing when I got up, and I was, uh, I saw a tweet from uh, a developer, again, I'm not going to name names, because this is not about calling anybody out, but I saw a developer that I um, respected, and that I thought was somebody who was important to listen to, you know, always interested in in this person's ideas, Uh, not going to say whether it's a man or woman, but uh, I just uh, listened, you know, to their tweets, and they always have some kind of little nugget of information here or there, or or they are friends with other people that I know. And so I think it's important to find out what they're up to. And, you know, you know, you know, keep track of people on Twitter, as you do. So this person put out this tweet. It was, he was, uh, this person was quoting uh, an article that was about VR. And they didn't explain, like, what it was. It was just, they were basically kind of doing the, the grumpy old man, shake his fist in the air kind of a thing. And I didn't understand why they would be doing that. Like, I didn't understand what their tweet was about. And so I I, I don't really know this person. Like, we're not friends or anything. I think we're kind of like in similar circles, but i have never talked to this person before. So I tweeted and I'm like, hey, um, what was wrong with that article? Like, did you not, you know, what was wrong with the research these guys did on the VR? And that person, their very next tweet fucking laid into me, like, instantly and I was like whoa person like see they must have thought I was attacking her or something I was it was literally just a question like I don't understand what your tweet means can you please explain what your tweet means because I'm interested because you're a person I respect and I'm curious about your opinion is what my intention was and they apparently didn't see it that way and they fucking went off on me I was really shocked I was really taken aback and I was like, "Okay." Um, did not mean any offense to you. Uh, sorry, just trying to get a clarification on your fucking not clear tweet at all. Uh, but, but whatevs let, you know, we're just going to leave it here. And I just bowed out. And in fact, I fucking blocked that person because I was like, you know what, if you're going to be that much of a fucking dick to somebody who's just innocently approaching you on Twitter, I really don't need to interact with you anymore. That was really disappointing. So, uh, a really poor way to start the morning and really disappointing because I've been following this person for like a while. Um, never felt the need to talk to him before today. And I guess that's a good thing because boy, that was a very <laughs> unpleasant interaction. So anyway, um, very disappointing. I
0: actually, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about because I saw that I saw your response to that tweet pop up in my timeline and I didn't actually, at the time that I had seen it, that person had not said anything back to you, which I thought was interesting. So I missed whatever else happened after the fact, but just to add further clarification here, the article that the person uh, quote tweeted was an article about how VR might be unsafe for like really young children, which seems like a, a reasonable thing to research now that VR is, you know, kind of becoming totally. mainstream. Like, I mean, I, for one, I mean, I don't have kids, but if I had kids or if I interacted with children, I would want to know, you know, scientific research about, the safety or the dangers of VR for, uh, for young children, yeah, because I mean, that's like,
1: why I was asking about it. Cause I got kids. I'm like, Oh, do you, do you think this is bad research? Is it good research? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Like, that's why I was asking about it. Like that's it. Yeah. And I was, uh,
0: I, I was kind of confused about it too, because that person's tweet definitely came off as like, I mean, it just reminds me like there's that, uh, I can't remember where it was, like the New York times or the, um, you know, New York Magazine or something, but there's that one comic that's like, it's like the passengers on the plane, and the the passenger stands up, and like the quote at the bottom of the comic is something like, like, oh, these pilots think they're know it alls. Who thinks I should pilot the plane? Like, that's totally the vibe I got from the tweet. Like, let's ignore these scientific researchers who are researching the dangers of VR. I think that VR is good for kids, and so I was like. Why, like, why would anybody be up in arms about scientific research about VR for developing eyeballs? It didn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I was really confused. I mean, I, I mean, I, I read over my tweet and I showed it to my wife. She thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I don't know why he fucking went off like he did. Um, but it just really surprised and confused me. And I was, I was, I was literally just wanting his opinion because he's a person that I think would know something about VR. Like, and I wasn't even sure if he agreed or disagreed. So I was really, really put off by that, and I would just be like, you know, I mean, my my only takeaway and the thing that I would share to other people listening is that, you know, if you're a person who has followers, um, and maybe somebody you've never talked to pops up in your timeline, just give them like the benefit of the doubt. I mean, don't think that they're immediately an asshole. If you, I mean, maybe maybe my tweet was worded a weird way. I didn't think it was, but maybe it was. Give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Don't automatically think they're coming after you because. That was just a really, really poor interaction. I was really, really sad about that. So, anyway, that's that's it, man. We should probably get this fucking show rolling, dude. We've been (laughs) talking for like an hour here. You ready to start the show, dude? Uh, yeah, I think so. You want to talk about some games? Let's talk about some games.